Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we speculate a bit more on the shape of modern to come with another round of MH2 spoilers. After that, everything old is new again when we look at ways to cheat big game-ending bombs into play to win the game. Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serious Visions. Welcome to episode 19 of the Serum Visions podcast. Coming to you from a pocket just outside of time, I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is a man who not only caught the dragon, but tamed it and taught it to do tricks, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? I'm feeling pretty darn good. It got hot in the last week. It it went from, like, early spring to, like, proper summer. Um, I think it shot for, uh, for, for, uh, from freedom units, maybe in the like high fifties, low sixties up until like the, uh, high seventies, low eighties. So this is a, this is a nice shift in temperature. Um, the trick with dragons is to, uh, you got to know their favorite food. So Velimachus enjoys the ale soaked flavor of dwarf. You just, you got to make sure you get them in the marinade nice and early in the day. Um, because the meat is pretty mm-hmm, tough. Mm-hmm. They're stocky. Stocky folk. Do you, gotta, do you pluck the little hairs first, or does a dragon not care? Um, it's not it's not normally too picky, but I mean, it's up to you, you know, if you really want to treat treat your boy. If he's been good mm-hmm. to you. Zach, I, I just gotta ask Zach, where did you find the Underworld cookbook? <laughs> I've been looking for a copy myself. Uh, it's gonna be in and, Modern you know, Horizons just... too. I've, I've been, uh, I, I've, it has been rumored. And uh, in, in, uh, I believe yeah. the same rumor mill that produced the uh, factual, actual case that counterspells come into modern. Oh, yeah. I would have never thought I could eat a gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I learned the trick and I ate a gargoyle and it was tasty. So I bet there's some other good tricks. Hopefully the book finally has a uh, useful recipe and technique for uh, skinning a bogle, even if it is pretty tasteless. Oh, shit. <laughs> Do you need to skin call. them? I mean, they're slippery, so you can just swallow them whole, I thought. Ooh. That's, oh, that's a prairie bogle you eat in there. Uh, <laughs> bogle oyster. All right. Also joining us is a man who retraces time. Who retraces time. Who retraces time. With Ren and six emblems. Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing very well. You know, kind of Zach was saying, we did get a taste of pretty sweet weather. Nice and hot. You know, like almost like this weather, instead of, you know, you normally get this weather in July, and instead you get it in, you, right? know, you know, I would say, honestly, early May at this point. And you think, huh, you know, like, I've been messing with time warp a lot, and maybe this is what just happens, you know? Like, things are getting messed <laughs> up. We're getting hot weather early, you know? Like, it's a beautiful day today, lots of biking. You love that Portland's a bikeable city. I mean, you know, just like, I'm a big fan of start messing with time and then just kind of deal with the consequences, you know? Like, these consequences, we're going to deal with them. 
Well, that's it's funny that you guys both mentioned that your weather got good because uh, this is why I exist in a pocket outside of time. <laughs> My weather has been the exact same <laughs> as it was for the last I don't know how many months. Um, we're just like low sixties, low sixties every day. That's that's it. But that's uh, that sounds pretty okay. I was say, that's oh no, that's I'm fine California with it. all over though, right? I mean, you know, uh, high lows and low highs. Go. Yeah, it it depends. Uh, we'll get our summer in like September, October. Rocking. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, what's all this stuff that's been happening with modern? We we took a two week break and it was the exact right amount of time. We got a tiny, tiny trickle of spoilers and now it's started to blast. And then before we get to our next episode, I think we're gonna have a whole set to look at and brew with. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I just gotta say, I'm loving these spoilers, and I'm I'm hyped as hell for Modern Horizons 2. Uh, well, A, these spoilers, you know, they look sick, and they're definitely gonna be adding things, and honestly, like, everyone's like, Oh, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, what if they print these busted cards? It's like, you're probably a dirty prowess player. <laughs> you don't think prowess is, like, offensive. Doesn't want the status quo interrupted. Yeah, like, please don't disturb me while I manamorphose, manamorphose, manamorphose into nonsense. It's like, nope, you should be disturbed for your sick, stupid things. Ouch. And it is my turn to be dirty and degenerate while you, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I just hate it. Like, you put three code brews main deck and you still lose to burn like 40% of the time, or probably like 60% of the time with my Lazav Breach deck. Well, and especially Prowess, right? I mean, Lightning Bolt, Lightning Bolt has never felt so inept. And yet, it is still the most played card in Modern because of all the Monastery Sphere decks. You can't use it against them, but they're going to use it to kill you. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's like somehow they always have the bolt for my Emery, then for my Lazav, and also two for my face. Like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, they only they play limited creature removal. My creatures will live, and then even if they don't live, then they can't, you know, they'll kill me less. But nope, I just die anyways. Well, we... So I'm well, excited as hell to knock these fat cats off the perch. We can get to complaining about the meta in a second, but let's let's get into these spoilers. Uh, are there any of these in particular that you, Brian, are the most excited about? We got five to look at here. Oh, uh, honestly, I think that all of them are exciting in their own right. Sure. I don't think any of them are like... I feel like the uh, the response to them is disproportionate to the the cards themselves. Um, so I think the the most uh, hyped card or talked about card is probably Grief. And um, for those who haven't read it yet, Grief is two black black for a three two elemental incarnation. Have we seen an incarnation before? Is that a new type? Yeah. No. This is like the judgment. Okay. Yeah, so the first the first incarnation cycle was judgment, like wonder, anger, yeah, uh, mm, Genesis. The other thing, the one, yes, Genesis was, but Genesis was like the secret fifth one in the yeah, or the yeah, sixth yeah, one yeah, in the yeah, series. Yeah. But they were you put them in your graveyard, and if you have a basic land of the if you have a land of the basic type, then you get all your creatures get an advantage. The black one gave Swamp Walk. That's why we can't remember what it did, what it's called. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I would honestly. I was really hoping they would put Filth them back in Modern Horizon. No, I love Anger. Was it called Filth? Uh, I think it was. Anger is then, a sweet card. Yeah. Yeah, but then there was a second one uh, in Lorwyn where they brought back Elemental Incarnations, and Dread. these included. 
I know Guile was like the big one because Guile lets you like force of negation their nonsense and cast it for free. Yeah, and uh, or Dread, Dread was like a three black black six six stuff. I think it had death. And then touch. there was a green one, a green one that like brawn. Prevent all, yeah, brawn. Yeah. Prevent all combat or all damage dealt to your creatures, and instead put that money plus one plus one counters. Like I, my friend put that in one of his cubes, and like it was insane. It was just that like spicy. <laughs> It's like you cannot lose when you put this card in a cube. Well, I mean, they're probably, I'm sure there were ways, but I won every game where my big fat green dude resolves. So that was pretty fun. But yeah, it's, I'm very, kind of get to close off the tangent, I'm very happy that they're bringing back an elemental incarnation cycle because, you know, I just love the throwback. But sorry, please continue, Brian. Sure. So uh, it is a 3 2 elemental incarnation with menace. Uh, and it reads, when Grief enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose non-land card from it. That player discards that card. And it has an evoke cost of exile, a black card from your hand. So this is basically Thoughtseize on a stick. It's a unmask for the old timers and legacy players. Mm-hmm. Brian, I have, to, I have to ask. If I if my statement were, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. This card is so busted. Uh, what am I referring to that is scaring everybody with this card? Uh, I, I guess the fact that it's uh, a, another copy of Thoughtseize. Uh, well, it's specifically the interaction with Ephemerate. So if you yes. use the Evoke ability, which is exile a black card from your hand. So you're using two cards. You've got your Grief and you're exiling a black card. Uh, and assuming you have a white source, you put your grief into play, two triggers go on the stack. One that's going to reveal your opponent's hand and you get to take a card out of it. And another one that says, sacrifice this creature if its evoke cost was paid or, or however, the, I don't know exactly technically how it's worded. If you respond to that trigger by ephemerating it, you will get a second trigger, you will keep your 3-2 menace, and assuming your ephemerate resolves, you get to do that again in your next upkeep. And again, you keep the 3-2 body. So two, the, the Grief plus a black card plus an Ephemerate plus a white source in your opener is, over the first turn cycle, a triple Thoughtseize with no life loss. Um, so that's pretty busted. That is, that is good. Yeah. That is, that is absolutely good. I will not deny that. Yeah. But uh, as we've pointed out, there is removal in the format and so like yeah you're probably gonna get your double if you're on the if you're on the draw you might not even get the double thoughtsies if you're on the play you're probably gonna get your double thoughtsies i think that people will do this and it will be very obnoxious for a while but i don't know how mm -hmm. good as yep. an as a as a net product of a deck it will be but i do think it's a it's very much like a time will tell kind of thing in that I, I agree with the, the Doomsayers that this is a very powerful and obnoxious interaction. I mean, that's just going to suck loud. Absolutely. Um, yep. but <laughs> I'm going to complain about it. Sure. I know I'm going to complain sure. about it. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. But like cards like Urza, we have seen Urza be at the tippity top when it had all the support cards, and then it sank a little and had other support cards, and then it sank so far as to not really be playable in modern, uh, with a few small exceptions we'll touch on later. So, um, what I'm saying is I would like to see the metagame that exists in the next couple weeks and see exactly how that card actually slots into decks and exactly how those decks slot into a larger metagame. And then we'll be able to say whether or not this is actually, you know, that busted. But 
in the abstract, that's a super powerful interaction. You just need to make sure you have a deck that works around it. It's pretty easy to imagine a Black-White Stoneblade deck that does that, or something similar to that, or a Jund deck. Um, obviously not Jund Jund, because, you know, you need the white for this, but I, I think we'll, we'll white see. White Jund. Yeah. Jund, Jund yeah. White, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I, and and that's... Oh, go ahead. Like, the one thing, like, I was thinking about this, you know, everyone's like, like that ephemerate, where, you know, you evoke ephemerate take a whole bunch of cards etc but even though you get to discard two cards if they still rep the removal spell you're like shit up a creek you've got one land you've got four cards in hand and one land on the battlefield and literal empty board and you know i if it were my opponents they will absolutely be ripping the removal off the top of their deck yeah yeah i mean there's just yeah i think there's enough i think there's enough things that are going to bulldoze that interaction that it might not be that good but I, again we'll, we'll just have to see we, we do um the, i for one welcome our new dredge <laughs> yeah. go ahead and make me discard three cards yeah. they're all cards i wanted in the graveyard anyway oh my god right like is it wouldn't wouldn't that be the ultimate is if if oh, in uh in oh a month Lord. from now the only two competitive decks because of that interaction are that deck and dredge <laughs> well i mean if Against Dredge, actually, I think it'd probably be fine because if you stack your triggers, you play it first and then you let the trigger resolve and then you can take something, you know, like steal their cathartic reunion. Yeah, and then if your next thing is going to grab a creature, you just don't ephemerate Yeah, it. but then you're sitting around yeah, with then, this, this yeah, super you powerful interaction. It. You pitched a card to set up this super powerful interaction that you're not getting to take advantage of. I don't know if you're going to beat Dredge yeah, like but, that. Uh, you're definitely not gonna beat Dredge if you th if you thought sees the stinkweed him. But I mean, <laughs> I agree. I'm just saying, like, you're gonna be in a position where you're like, oh, well, damn. <laughs> like, I just oh, exiled a black card in my hand to slightly slow them down, and put my three two in the graveyard. That's not great. Yeah, seems yeah. like should be some counterplay. I'm, you know, I don't I don't think I don't think this guy's falling remotely. I think you know i think a lot of people dramatizing things there's this one actual tweet that i just kind of love to point to is by brad nelson and he posts a picture of grief and he's like oh my god i can't believe they printed this card like this card's so busted what are they doing and then he's like next line was oh yeah i tested this card and everything was okay <laughs> and it's just like you know like like yeah, like i understand the trepidation with you know like they wizards doesn't always learn from their mistakes that's very true however you know just like this Said had Michael Majors, Sam Black, Brad Nelson. Mm. I you know more people they contracted. Like I have I have confidence that you know like they're that they this team knew they're doing. You know if if everything is really messed up and if this really messes things up, then you know them gonna lose faith in a lot of things. But I mean you know like for me personally, I definitely have faith uh, that you know I'm very excited and I think that nothing will be super busted or like it won't be any. I'm ho I don't think there'll be anything as egregious as Hogak. But you know great to have egg on my face we'll see what happens yeah i mean well yeah i mean yeah um that said i know a card that jiggy wiggy is excited about is thrasta tempest's roar for anyone who has not seen this this is a 12 mana 10 green green legendary creature dinosaur uh it has cost reduction storm so it costs three less to cast for each other spell cast this turn. So if you cast one spell, it costs nine. If you cast two spells, it costs six. Three spells, it costs three. And four or more spells, it's going to cost just green, green. Uh, it has trample and haste. Trample over planeswalkers, which does exactly what you think it would do. And it has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. So what do you imagine you're going to do with this, Dr. Combo? Yeah, I'm 
gonna burn a lot of tickets. <laughs> I know that. Uh, probably pretty low return on investment in terms of tickets. Uh, however, you know, like this is a challenge, and this is a janky challenge, and you know, I'm totally up for that. Like you know, the big kind of obvious thing that we've been actually been talking about a little bit is uh, in these Kinnan shells. Maybe Arai maybe with Arayo, maybe not with Arayo. You know, you have Repeal, Springleaf Drum, Mox Embers, uh, Kinnan to help generate mana, and you can just you know like turn this thing out pretty quick, which is intriguing. The other thing uh, is that since it's a legendary creature dinosaur, it is indeed a Kinnan hit, and everyone kind of jokes about this. But honestly, in all of my Kinnan experience, like Kinnan is so much better when you have good hits for him you know just like it's you do have oftentimes you do have the mana you're on so much fluff that like you will run into these times where you have nothing left and you have a bunch of mana and you want to spin your kinnon and you know just like urza's not a good kinnon hit uh tracker's not a good kinnon hit you know aura was a great one like emery's great gilded goose is great there's a whole bunch of them but like you know now we're kind of losing it and thrust up is a good kinnon hit you know like i'll take a seven seven Trample haste. That seems okay to me. I, uh, so I'm pretty excited for this card. I'm gonna hop out and say that none of the cards that cost three or less are a good quote unquote hit for a seven mana ability. But I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take your I'll take your meaning <laughs> as you know if, if you were gonna sort of just burn off that mana anyway. So okay, I'll 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 take the one. I mean, well, it's free. It's free yeah, real guess, estate. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not ideal. Obviously, you know, I would rather have other things. But I'll take a goose and. Hitting, you know, like hitting Uro was busted because then you got Uro yeah, in your graveyard, yeah. and also hitting, hitting Emery, Emery Mills, and Uro or like. Great. Whatever happened to that? I don't know why we don't uh, play that anymore. I'm, I'm, I, uh, not don't don't give me like the fact blah, that blah. Prowess still gets to do this metamorphosis bullshit, and like we don't get Uro. Oh, I know nonsense. I know. Um, there's uh yeah, so that that that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, Profane Tutor is one that I want to uh, actually touch on. This, so this is a null cost card. It has no mana cost. It is framed as a black card. It has a black color indicator. It's a sorcery. Um, the card text is Demonic Tutor. So search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, and then shuffle. And the suspend cost, because of course it has to have suspend, is one and a black. And the suspend timing is two. So you suspend this the next turn. It'll have only one time counter, and then the turn after that, you'll get your Demonic Tutor. Um, my thought is, you already have the As Foretold decks. Um, so, this is just a one-for-one one, um, if you have an As Foretold in play. Um, it's obviously not great with Electro Dominance, but it is pretty damn good with Fires of Invention. So, um, I would be... Mm -hmm. Very interested to see if more Fires of Invention things can happen with uh, Profane Tutor. Um, yeah, I'm also, I think this card is super sweet, and I'm going to be testing, you know, like, even just turn two, and then you get your combo piece turn four. Like, that's solid. Yeah. You know? I'd be happy to uh, grab, like, the missing combo piece. The one thing in the As Foretold shell I'm pretty interested in is, you know, like, you As Foretold and you Profane Tutor, and... I think I've been wanting to explore Asphodel as a card for a while because unlike other mana engines, it has this super unique ability that you, if you can use it to cast instants, you can cast them on your opponent's turn for free because it's once per turn you can do mm -hmm. this. So, you know, just like you use, you profane tutor cast on your turn to maybe, let's say you have two counts of Asphodel, you can grab like a remand or a mana leak or now a counter spell even. And then you have that ready for your opponent's turn or maybe even an Archmage's charm. Sure, yeah. Or like, you know, like... Yeah, cryptic, so whatever you in want. In their turn, like... Yeah, like you can counter... Yeah, so... I think that's, you know, I honestly think As Foretold is, like, eventually gonna be 
stupid powerful. It just doesn't have the supporting cast yet. Yeah. I mean, it kind of does, though. I, I mean, if you haven't been uh, balanced recently, it's uh, unpleasant. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, like, like I think I think at one point, as foretold, will be a tier zero strategy unless something gets banned. All right. Like, obviously, like, you know, I think this will still take, you know, maybe like a year or two or even maybe less time, depending what Modern Horizons Mo does. Modern Horizons but 3. I just think That's, that, that'll be our earmark for when it uh, becomes full well, yeah. We we heard rumors before any spoilers came out that there was going to be a whole cycle yeah. of these yes, cards. Yes, there will be. Yeah. And now we have confirmation that there's at least one, so it seems likely there will be a whole cycle. And yeah, and uh, they even hinted at a sixth extra one that's not part of the cycle, but still has no cost, which makes me think it might be... I don't know, if they try and fix Mox Tantalite, I'm going to smack them. <laughs> I, want a good, I want a good Mox, not like a fixed bad one. Get, getting back to the profane tutor for a moment, uh, I think that the, the as foretold stuff is like obviously the the obvious, or I, obviously the obvious choice. Um, but I am interested in it in Bolus's Citadel. Um, so I've been messing with some Bolus's mm. Citadel oh, decks, yeah. and wow, the the crashing footfalls have been excellent in the decks that I've been playing. And so I think that being able to tutor something to hand is a little bit awkward. But uh, one of the things that I've found that's like different with Citadel than some of the other um, decks, like Mystic Forge decks, is that oftentimes you need to pause. If you don't have exactly what you need, if you can't gain the life, you just need to take a pause. And so tutoring you know a weather the storm to hand or something like that maybe that keeps you going uh even if you have to pay full retail for it um ideally you would want whatever spell you want to cast on top of your deck but i think that this can open up a lot of avenues to get yourself out of some sticky situations you know if you if you play one of these you grab your weather the storm you're now well positioned to like go off when you're most comfortable going off right like if you've already cast a bunch of spells maybe you have the mana up and you just do this uh if you haven't maybe you wait for the next turn or you know you're just you you get all the stuff you need to go off um so i think that this is going to be a, a pretty big upgrade in those sorts of decks mm. yeah that, that i love that idea you know citadel because this also in addition to getting your missing combo piece, you know, even just suspend this on turn two, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and then turn three, do whatever. Turn four, it suspends. Like, let's say you drew your trash for treasure. It's like, okay, now I'm just going to go grab a Thoughtseize, like with yep. Profane Tutor, and then Thoughtseize, and then trash for treasure, try and get my Citadel in play. So I, I just think there's a lot of flexibility, and you don't have the fact that you don't have to decide until it resolves is like yeah. you know very 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 well, exciting mid, mid combo if you run into one of these on the top you're like okay grab weather the storm grab like gain 15 continue playing yep. my whole mm -hmm. deck <laughs> yep yep all right that's or even just grab lands if you're you know you, you start just pulling lands out of your deck put them in your hand that way you know you're not going to run into them sure yeah that's an option so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of potential for this card, and I'm guessing that it's going to make its way into a lot of homes that we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, my, my instinct is that um, something like Ad Nauseam has been popping off a little bit in the last week mm -hmm. or two. I mentioned that, um, or I will mention that. Um, and uh, this is a reasonable thing for them to want to do. Now, I don't know if they would want to do this if they want to find room for something like this maybe this actually doesn't make any sense um but 
it, it definitely seems like something that a deck like that could could want. Some kind of spell-based combo deck that's good at buying time for a turn or two um, in order to set themselves up and then and then just have a pretty easy snap win against most mid-range and aggro decks. Yeah. So next up, we have Unmarked Grave, which is one in a black for a sorcery. It says, search your library for a non-legendary card, put that card into your graveyard, and then shuffle. So uh, this is supposed to be a fixed version of Entomb, I think. It's worse in yep. every possible way, so I believe, yes, it's, it's fixed. Which, is, which I'm totally okay with, because <laughs> I do not want Entomb in my format. You stay away, bad Entomb. No, no, that's stay fine, away. but my, I, I guess the problem I have with it, as I occasionally do, is like, why, why did they put this card in Modern Horizons? I think, feel like they could have put this card in a standard set and be like, yeah, that's cute. Like, Maybe they I'm, still will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to get reprinted into one of the Innistrad sets this fall. I mean, you know, this, like, the only, this is, other than Entomb, this is easily the cheapest they've had this effect. I was actually seeing some legacy chatter about Unmarked Grave, and a lot of the people were talking, like, they made a good point that, you know, other than Entomb, you don't actually have redundancy in this effect. Sure. Now, obviously, this mm. is not quite Entomb, but, you know, like, library for a card uh, and put in the graveyard is not you know and two months one mana and that card is busted as hell so you know the fact that i think this will see modern play even you know like a turn three are like turn three uh with the guy the black white thing the archon that exiles something when he enters the battlefield or dies even getting that you know ashen rider yeah yeah like even you know just getting that thing out on turn three like turn two unmarked grave like turn three that but we we don't have access to reanimate or animate dead, so. I mean, not for that. I mean, they might be something like stitched together, like you know, like black black thresholds. Oh, sti okay, stitched together is a neat idea. Like I could see. I think they're definitely going to have some sort of fairly unconditional three mana reanimate spell, and I think that it's very likely they'll have a two mana one that likely has some sort of drawback. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be sweet to see him on Horizons. Good callback. No, um, Fluffy Wolf has had some success with a with a um, with a deck that reanimates the. Um, there's a six six with persist that when it dies. Woodfall yeah, Primus. Yeah, Woodfall Primus. That's right, and that was in um, Ultimate Masters as well. Um, so anyway, then we've got something ex that's the, so exciting. Uh, this is not mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is not Sarah, at all. We got Dakon Shadow Slayer, which is just... They got Richard Kane Ferguson back to do the art. Holy crap. Yeah, that art's dope. Yeah. So, it's uh, White, Blue, Black, Legendary, Planeswalker, Dakon. Sweet. Uh, it enters the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters equal to the number of lands you control. So, otherwise, it has zero loyalty, but it, it, it always comes in with the number of lands you control. Plus one is Surveil 2, so that's awesome. For anyone who doesn't remember, yep. Surveil 2 is Scry 2, oh, yeah. but you can put any of them into the graveyard that you want. So that's already pretty good. Uh, minus three, Exile Target Creature. Yikes. And minus six, put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. So I was playing some Esper Control the other night, and people were like, this deck's going to play the hell out of that card. And I was like, I'm not sure. It's artifact synergy card, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, dude, it's got a minus three exile target creature and might come in at like seven loyalty on turn, like, you know, nine. 
and just be insane. It's like, oh yeah, that's insane. That is really good. Yeah, yeah. This card, this card seems strong. You know, even like, I do. I am a sucker for Esper Urza, and let me mm -hmm. tell you, this looks like it fits well in Esper Urza. What do you want to put into play? Spine, spine of Ishsa. Uh, I mean, honestly, just even getting like a sculler back from the yard or something like just like your foundry got sent to the sure. yard and like you've got that, but you still got the sword in the yard, etc. Batter skull. Like, you know, just that little slightly extra, you know, plus one, surveil two is sweet and it's always good to exile creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the first two abilities, I think it's, I, I think if you remove the minus six, this is still a pretty reasonable card, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And with the minus six... Boom. Yeah. Get a knowledge pool with your Teferi 3. Ooh. We're doing all sorts of jank stuff Ooh. up here. Um, oh, I can get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a card. Now, that's, this is obviously the, the a great example of a card that really is going to need a deck that, that you know wants this effect and supports it. And I don't know if it'll be anything that a deck plays more than one to two copies of would be my guess. But, uh, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to throw a playset of this into any deck. You no, know, I that, wouldn't think so. <laughs> there's not. There's few things I know for sure, but this I know for mm. sure. Can revisit the old um, uh, Demir Surveil deck from Standard that wasn't even good back <laughs> in that Standard. Plays, um, what is it? Disinformation Campaign? <laughs> yeah, see, this is how you're supposed to put Creeping Chill. This is how you're supposed to put Creeping Chill in the graveyard. This was the design oh, for yeah. Creeping Chills. This is what yeah, they insane. designed it to be used with. Cards like this. So we finally have a, a Creeping Chill deck. What yeah, that's saying. what I'm saying. There's finally a deck the that can use it. unplayable <laughs> card from Guilds of Ravnica. Creeping Chill that nobody has ever seen in Modern before. We're going to crack it. Why well, you got to do Demir say... Spybug like that? Yeah. I have to say this again. I'm offended that Lazav only has Surveil 1. I wish he had Surveil 2 so badly. Like, so badly. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, next up, we have an homage. Now, I don't know if you guys actually remember the card. This is an homage to Hell yes. Timeless Dragon. So this is not Eternal Dragon, which makes me sad um, because I assume this means we're not getting Eternal Dragon, um, which, I mean, for the be, record, would not be, be a modern playable power level at all. Yeah, that I, I was about to say, you know, like you can have, what's the point of having Eternal Dragon printed in modern for like nostalgia yes, purposes, for nostalgia just, purposes. You know, just because it should be there. That's the reason why. I'm, if they printed Timeless Dragon, it would probably be an uncommon at this point. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, the Timeless Dragon is a five mana five five flyer, uh, three white white. Uh, it's got plane cycling as Eternal Dragon uh, does, and it's got Eternalize. So this is the uh, Hour of Devastation mechanic. So um, for two white white, you exile it from your graveyard. You get a black token. That's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie dragon with no mana cost. So it will have flying. And it'll have plane cycling, but it's a creature in play, so that doesn't help you. Um, th this seems like a very innocuous, cute little ad. Um, I like it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great ad for any white mid-range or control deck, and I think we're definitely going to see it. For sh like, There's just no question in my mind this card will be played. It's not insane, but it's just such good value. Maybe yeah, this sick. is what we're putting in the graveyard with our <laughs> marked grave. <laughs> no, the point is there to cycle it. There we go. Brian with, Brian with the galaxy brain play right there. I broke it already. Plane cycling, you can get a triome. <laughs> you can get a triome or a bicycle oh, land. Yeah. 
or uh, Shock or um, uh, uh, Tango Land. So it's this thing is fantastic. It's just really so. And if you want a five mana five five, you got it. If you want to cycle it on an early turn when you when you just have mana up, and then eternalize it later as a four four. Yeah, hell yeah, it's free real estate. Yeah, I, I love this design on it. Like it, it is such a cool design. Yeah. And you know, Eternal Dragon, that was a sweet card. It's sad <laughs> that it's not good anymore, but the fact that this is a slight copy of it and seems like it might be pretty okay, it makes me very happy. You know, I think I think a lot of these references are very tasteful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a me. lot more playable, and that's that's good. I, I like I like that this is yep. so playable. Um, so that's that's fantastic. So how about this next one? It's a land. A mythic rare vomit. I love it. Yeah. I don't love that they took Cabal Coffers and changed from uncommon to a mythic. Especially since the price of this card is just like insane. I would blow your mind how expensive it is. Yeah, it was it was already forty plus yeah, but, dollars. And it's good to have this. Anyways, Cabal Coffers, uh famous boomer land. Uh, it's a land, no tight land type. Uh, it does not tap for mana in and of itself, but if you tap two colorless and tap it, you get to add a black for each swamp. Uh, I'll kind of some I'll I'll go over the cliff notes, and I will just say the only use for this card is if you have an Orborg Tomb of Yagmoth in play, and then this card just becomes stupid bananas. Uh, without an Orborg Tomb of Yagmoth, it's pretty underwhelming. Uh, in terms of the decks, I think it's gonna go into modern. You know, like. It's. I don't even think it's a spawn of mono black deck. I think the best thing to do with this is Faithless Brewing was messing with Heartless Summoning a while back, and they had this like Dried of the Elysian Grove, Tireless Tracker, mm. Heartless Summoning with the Dread, Dread Presence, uh, turning all your things into Swamp, and I think this will fit right into there. Uh, you know, especially since you Dried of the Elysian Grove is like your second Orborg, and so now you have eight copies of those effects if you want it. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I'm definitely curious to see what both of you think but i think that that'll be probably its most powerful shell considering that they were able to trophy pretty easily with it and just you know for me this is two things this means that there will be a tier three strategy that you'll run into from time to time that is that beautiful human being somewhere who's decided to register mono black control uh in the most fantastical way with the urborg tomb of yagmas cabal coffers corrupts um, maybe some of the X spells that you can only spend black mana on and it deals damage and you gain life equal to the damage dealt. Um, you know, mm. and you... Torment of I Hailfire, mean... maybe? Mm -hmm. Torment of Hailfire, yep, that, that will probably be in that deck. And my right. goal is going to be to play a mono-black deck of this ilk um, that casts an Emrakul. That's that's my dream. I'm going to do it. Here, I got it. I got it better for you, Zach. I'm going to one-up one -up you. One-up me. I'm going to say, instead of going for Emrakul, you should go for Helldozer and Staff of <laughs> No. I mean, Helldozer is fine, it. but Helldozer can't destroy basic lands. I want I want to do... Oh, shit, you're I wanna right. Go, I want to do something that, like, is just the insanity. And uh, I, I've, the last time I played Amulet Titan fairly begrudgingly, there was an Emrakul in the sideboard, which I assume was for purposes other than what I used it for. But for some reason, we ran into blue-white <laughs> control like three times in that league. And I just straight up cast it at them like multiple times. Um, so I, I want that experience again. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pack in the expedition maps or I'm not exactly even sure 
what the deck is going to look like, but my goal is to cast an Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, uh, from from 15 mana from my Cabal Coffers, my Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth, and whatever amount of mana I can make otherwise. Alright, I buy it. I mean, I guess the other thing that kind of interests me now is, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about this mono black uh, Mox Amber deck that's kind of been floating around and haven't quite had critical mass for, uh, but with the Dean, with the Dean now, the one black source, then you have Cabal Coffers. It's yeah, Valentin. It's gonna sound like pretty, you know, out there, but going back to Time Spiral, they had this series of cards uh, using the mechanic called Grandeur. Uh, so Grandeur was found on legendary creatures, and it read, if you have a legendary creature in play, and if you have a copy in your hand, you can discard the one in your hand, and you get, like, insta-value on the battlefield. Uh, there's some pretty interesting ones. I think the blue one is really interesting, because uh, she costs four mana, but the... The grandeur effect is your opponent returns a creature and then a land and maybe an artifact too. Uh, and so, you know, if you were just casting on turn four and if you had two of them to pitch to it, your opponent would have to bounce two lands and two creatures, which is always sounded very kind of messed up to me and intriguing. But the black one, uh, he is his four mana and then his grandeur is you discard him, another copy of him. And you get two swamps straight onto the battlefield from your from your library. Okay. Which is, okay. You know, like I mean, free that's ramp. a primeval titan right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a primeval titan. And you know, if you have two of them in hand, you discard two of them. You get four swamps. Uh, it's also a legend. You know, works with Mox Amber. So this is, you know, slowly building towards critical mass. I don't think I've not built this deck yet because I'm I'm sure that there's not a critical mass unless I really want to fill it out with junk, which you know I'm not. I'm I'm in the business of junk, but like I'm not gonna spread myself too thin uh, to like get the absolute trash. Uh, but I'm keeping an eye on this deck, and you know it's maybe there'll be a couple extra things I'll be able to try it. Yeah, I just really like that they are giving um, sort of big mana tools to other colors besides just green or just Tron lands. Um, and this is you know paced about the same. Uh, like, you're not really doing anything with this. This is terrible as your first or second land. Um, I've played with this a little bit in some of the Faithless Brewing community leagues. And, um, you know, we've messed with the ban list in the past. And so I played a, a Cabal Coffers crop rotation deck. And I cannot tell you how sad this was when I, like, I, you know, I had four of them in my deck. Total mistake. Um, and just, like, <laughs> opening hand, Cabal Coffers, Cabal Coffers. And I'm like, well... That's a no land hand. Shuffle Cabal Coffers in a swamp. And I'm like, well, that's a one land hand. Okay, gonna keep this and cross our fingers. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think that there's actually a cost to putting this in your deck. And um, I'm gonna be interested to see if it actually does something. Uh, I'm hopeful, but uh, I, I like that they're giving these tools to other colors. And we have one more little friend to touch on people had been talking about is Richard and Port coming to Modern. And I believe it will not be. Um, I already believe that it probably wouldn't be, but they might be crazy enough to do so. And it turns out Rashidian, Rashadin Deckhand, Dockhand, is coming to Modern in old frame and new frame glory. So... Um, for the merfolk enthusiasts of the world, strap yourself in, maybe sit down, because this is a one mana, one two merfolk with island walk. So stat line is fantastic, and it has the activated ability of Rashad and Port, which is one mana, tap, 
tap target land. Um, I'm going to jump in real quick before I even talk about this card. The <laughs> art is, this is Mask's art, you know? Yeah. Like, this is, this card in the old border, this literally looks like a card that is from Mercadia Mask, which is amazing. It, the fact that they're even going with the art style. It's a little, a little less cartoony. But in a way, I don't mind. If, if you go look at the masks art, it's a little bit more cartoony and sort of like um, like graphic novel-y than this. Um, but this yeah, does, yeah. This, but still, this, is, you this know. is a nice balance of the sort of modern-ish style um, with with that. Yeah, it lo- I mean, it fits. It fits. If you put this in Mercadian masks, people probably wouldn't look sideways. I'm just going to say I'm going to be so angry when <laughs> I start losing to Merfolk all the time. So I'm uh-huh, very happy uh-huh. for this card. I'm happy for this card. I'm not happy for the uptick in Merfolk that we are going to see. Um, Brian, did you know that Merfolk is my arch enemy? I did, and I'm I'm right there with you. I don't know that it's my arch enemy. I kind of feel like I'm my own arch enemy <laughs> a lot of the time. But... <laughs> Losing to tribal strategies really just kind of, you know, rubs me the wrong way. And merfolk are maybe the most egregious. Have you ever tried registering Jund? I feel like this is... Jund with two to three plague engineers in the sideboard might be right where you want to be. Yeah, I was also (laughs) going to say, if you dislike losing to tribal strategies, I have great news in... A pearly in a very poorly designed, very oppressive card that you might be interested in. Fantastic. Um, Plague Engineer is messed up and should also be unprinted. I mean, I love Plague Engineer, and and I I've played a lot of decks that it hoses. Um, just because I like engineered Plague, just because I wish it was symmetrical. That's the one thing that bothers me about Plague Engineer. It really should and be didn't symmetrical. And not have Death Touch. It's it's I don't know why it's not. Um, so sorry. And do you guys think that there's any um any value in the idea I have that what we're really going to see is Rishinen Dockhand with Aether Vials and Thalias and Leonin Arbiters. I feel oh, like absolutely. that is going to be the real kick-in-the-teeth, pain-in-the-ass deck to play against. Um, we've seen Death and Taxes occasionally branch out to an extra color, which is sometimes blue. And I... I feel like at least for a while people will try that i I think this as a mana denial tool is just very very good for that deck when it's already good at um having things like giver of runes um having things like uh, archon of amiria um just putting together this sinister you know prison of uh, rules and regulations that you have to try to navigate but you know what sounds great though zach Engineered explosives. Oh yeah! I'm going, I'm going to wreck so many taxes decks and so many of these decks trying this cute, these cute nonsense. I'm just gonna ee, and you can do all you want. The second I have two mana on the battlefield untapped, your board is gone, and I will not cry about it. I'll just recast Boom. the next turn with Emery. Bang. Beauty. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be annoying when that doesn't work out and they crush me though. Yeah. Um. And there are a few more uh, previews, but I feel like we've covered a lot there. Um, and yeah, there's a I lot more to come. Like so, yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, why don't we take a very fast break, and when we come back, we will talk about this dead meta. Stay with us.
Welcome back. Uh, so as I alluded to before the break, uh, we are in, I guess, a dead meta. And I only say this because with Modern Horizons coming out, what, by the time the next episode is released? Woohoo! Uh, yeah, you know, there's this is this is dead format walking. Um, but that said, uh, you know, I, I think Zach put it best uh, as we were chatting before we started recording that this is a nice little snapshot of the world as we know it. And, uh, you know, before everything is shaken to its core with the release of Modern Horizons. So, uh, Zach. Brian, do you feel fine? I feel, yeah, I feel fine. Yep. It's the end of the world. Nice, I, nice. I, yeah, yeah. Well, Me the too. world as we know it has actually gone through a couple of shifts in the last two weeks. I mean, it, it's been pretty consistently shifting. Um, one of the things as we came out of Strixhaven was this brand new spanking super hot fire uh, red-white prowess deck that was killing people on turn three all of the time. Um, well, and any deck that gets to play mutagenic growth as its companion is messed <laughs> up. Brian, of course, <laughs> referring to the nasty habit of all prowess players, be they red, white, or blue, red, um, ha- always having the mutagenic growth when you have a uh, damage based removal, whether it be Flame Slash or Lightning Helix, it's never good enough. Um, yep. So um, let's just scooch down here to the May 16th Super Qualifier. So um, about a week ago, we had a, a absolute flurry of events. It was crazy. I couldn't even actually keep track of how many were going on at the same time. Um, so we're going to talk about the most high stakes one first. Um, and this is sort of the most dour, uh, look at the metagame. I think, um, this is an event where in the top 16, 50% of these are monastery, Swiss spear, lightning bolt decks. Um, the majority of those are blue, red prowess followed by white, red aggro slash white, red prowess, which are sometimes somewhere between burn and the red white prowess deck that you would think you were going to see and then there was one actual factual burn deck so it was fully 50 percent of the top 16 um with uh three of those being in the top eight which is yeah that that's that's tough um uh and there's a handful of other decks um that you would expect to be able to stand up to this punishing format um five color niv mizzet um because of all of the the life gain on lightning helix and just the endless pile of removal um We've got uh, some Esper Control. Esper, of course, by playing Fatal Push and uh, currently playing things like Go for the Throat, they're able to stand up against Prowess by having removal that actually sticks. Um, there's an Orzhov Stoneblade deck in here that has the black removal, of course, but things like Batter Skull to uh, help you survive. Uh, Etron, of course, has the Chalice. I mentioned Etron. Uh, there was even a Dredge deck. Uh, Amulet Titan, of course, when played by an expert player who's slightly lucky, can, of course, burst you out on turn two. Um, and then somehow there was a, a Grohl mid-range deck that made it all the way to the top and took down that super qualifier. So that was um, pretty incredible. And Tom Ross showing up on Black Green Yogmoth, the only visible player on Black Green Yogmoth, And this is not the last of um, Tom that we would hear from that, that same weekend. Um, so basically what I want to point out here is when the gun was to their head of all of the highest competitive, you know, competitively minded players it seems that everyone coalesced around the the concept that blue red prowess and red white prowess um kind of decks were where they wanted to be on mass now 
in the top 32, the representation was, you know, we, we did have a bunch of other decks, and most of the other decks we didn't see too many of. There was quite quite diverse other than the Onslaught of Prowess. Um, so, Zach, I have a question. You played in this challenge, and, you know, you're actually the 19th place of Elamaki's Turns deck. How much Prowess and Red decks and Swift Spears did you see in the Swiss? Uh, I ran into three. Um... I ran into two early that I beat, and I ran into Doomwake in uh, round eight, who uh, Dream crushed me out of the top eight. Um, yeah, I mean, and and I've heard I've heard numbers from one to five of people who have who've run into. I mean, I, I'm sure you know that like we, we don't have a full meta breakdown, um, and so anyone who tells you anything about oh my god there was so much prowess in in the queue or in the in the Swiss rounds, like, well that might have just been your experience, human being X, like. You know, there might have been five prowess decks in that whole event, and maybe you actually played against all of them. Like, we just don't know. Um, but I think it's pretty fair to say from the, the league cues and then from just what was successful on the day that prowess is either the most insane deck ever made or uh, it was just heavily represented. Um, maybe a little bit of both. Always both. Yeah. If science has taught me anything, the answer is always C, all of the above. <laughs> um... Yeah, and so, you know, uh, pretty much all the decks that were successful up here, we can see they were, uh, you know, teched out in their own little ways against um, Prowess there. So it was the sort of, everything revolves around Prowess. Um, and then as you get past 17th place, um, the 18th place was Green Tron, that was the E Principe, who is the current trophy leader. Um, yeah, 19th was, 19th was me on Velomachus turns, that was a really good run. Seven and two, uh, Teamer Breach in twentieth place was Grixisism, our good friend, first turn negator. Um, so big, big props to Soren. Um, there was uh, the only Jun Shadow, I believe, in this whole top chunk was in twenty first. Uh, literally no Heliod, right? There's no Heliod here whatsoever. Just totally got hated out in some form or another, I suppose. Um, I'm not sad about that. No, no, yeah. I, I, neither am I. Um, so this is a really dour sort of streamlined look at the meta, but one of the things I've learned about looking at these challenges um, more in depth and playing in them myself is that, one, these super competitive players actually don't all love playing, you know, the, the just, just grinding out prowess that much. So if you look at the other two challenges from that same weekend on the May 15th and the 16th, um, we see some totally different wild results that are all over the place we think i think of challenges as high stake events but 30 dollars buy-in is Definitely. is like a weekend 1k and in paper and online e even competitive players don't like to just grind out only the best deck only the most competitive deck there are plenty of very very good players who just like playing the decks they enjoy um, there are also people who change up from weekend to weekend depending on what they think will perform well so on the may 15th challenge we can see there's uh some jun death shadow that won it and came in second place there's four color living in prowess etron amulet titan burn uh tom ross was there i guess getting his reps in the day before made top eight with black green yogmoth um there was some uh Blue Red Breach, and of course there was Prowess, but there was still D&T, Spider Space on Jeskai, Creative Breach, and the May 16th challenge, the most important thing about that one, that one, other than the fact that it was won by Red Green Turbo Luca, was there were multiple um, lists in 5th, 6th, or sorry, 5th, 7th, 8th, and 9th respectively, that were the 5-color BTL shift deck, with uh, Drive the Elysian Grove, 
and Valakut and uh, bring to light and scapeshift. Um, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, um, modern may be a little brutal, but there's enough room in these challenges for things like Nahiri Boom to pull off a 13th place. So, <laughs> even though um, you would expect to see, you know, a good number of cutthroat decks when you go to play something like a challenge, um, today, even, I ran into Black Green Rock in round one, and then Boomer Jund in round two. Um, Bant Spirits in round four, you know? Um, people are... What year is it? Yeah, I know. People are out here doing what they want, doing what they love, and... Uh, there is enough room for for uh, lots of crazy stuff to succeed, um, just with the understanding that um, I've been calling Blue Red Prowess the Delver of Modern, um, and in that I mean uh, to reference the the Delver decks of Legacy. Um, they're a very 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 good um, disruptive aggressive tempo deck. And if they have the right draw, you you just won't win. It doesn't. It basically doesn't matter what you're playing. You you can't line up uh, well against them when they have wasteland, days, force of will, and a one mana three two flyer. Um, yeah, to expand on this a little bit, Delver is kind of considered the tier one, tier zero deck of Legacy. Like if you want to play in a competitive Legacy event, like you you need to have a plan for mm -hmm. Delver. Like it is. If you don't have a plan for Delver, you are saying that you do not want to win that event. Like this is this is just where this is just what Del the niche that Delver occupies. Right, and but on top of that too, even if you have a plan for Delver, sometimes they just kill you anyway. Like it doesn't matter. There's no there's no hating Delver. You can't hate out Delver particularly well. Um, there are a few decks that happen to line up quite well, but as with Modern, if you line up really well against Blue Red Prowess, guess what? You probably don't line up well against Esper Control, which is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. So it is a tough needle to thread. Um, but if anyone is interested in something that is super fun, super exciting, and fairly competitive, I, I, I just, I gotta advertise it. Velomachus Turns is fantastic, man. Uh, if you don't want to play something like Titan, <laughs> I, I think uh, this deck... I, I don't see Modern Horizons 2 um, quote-unquote killing this deck. Um, I could see yeah. a metagame shaping mm -hmm. out that made this deck much worse than it has been right now. But as we've seen, I mean, all sorts of stuff can just come back out of the woodwork. Where was red-green prowess a month ago? Or not not prowess, um, red-green midrange, the Ponza deck. Where was that a month ago? No one was playing that. Now it's back, like in a big way. Yeah, I think if, um, if Velomachus gets hated out it's likely a side effect from something that's you know getting people to bring in things that like um you know graph digger's cage or or something else that's going to stop those extra turn spells from from firing off when you attack with your velomachus i don't think it's going to be uh the result of like some new card that suddenly puts that deck out of its misery yeah i mean it's well, the Velomachus deck, it's kind of, it's, you have some interaction, but it's mostly just, you're going to do your thing, and your thing of taking infinite terms and beating their face with a 5-5 five five will, like, go over the top of anything. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I do want to say, if we're plugging decks that we think are fun, um, I, I'm, I've been pretty high on the black-green Yawgmoth. Uh, I played a little bit of it um, this past week, I ran it through a league, and uh, it I'm not gonna lie. It looks like a pile of draft chaff with some Yogmoths <laughs> thrown in, 
and like I was goldfishing some hands and I would, I'd look at it and I'm just like, this is garbage. I got like some mana dorks and I got young wolf. I got, I got young wolf in my hand. How am I ever going young, to win a, a, a young a wolf game? is the best card in that deck, Brian. It absolutely is. Yep. Well, strangle root guys. That thing is a house. Uh, yeah. But one good. mana. Yeah. One mana. Haste. Yeah. One mana. I'd anyway, th- I love haste, but I love deck, one mana more. Deck is very good. Um, it it's got a lot of intricate lines. It reminds me a lot of when I first picked up Wurza. How I looked at the Wurza deck at the time, I was just like, "This is a pile of cards. I don't understand how this wins." And then yeah, you, know, you rip something off the top, and you cord for you know the thing that you need, and suddenly you take. 500 game actions and draw half of your deck and then your opponent cries i don't know i, I played uh, amulet titan three times over my league and i don't know how many times i killed amulet titans with minus one minus one counters um not something okay. that i really expected myself to be doing but i i did not lose to amulet titan a single time wow so yeah i mean i i agree i think it's i think it's a good deck i think it's been a good deck for a while and just people have been kind of sleeping on it you know it's it's very toolboxy. It's probably pretty pretty similar to the old birthing pot. I'd imagine if I picked it up, I'd probably really enjoy it, but I have not gotten to it yet. But maybe that's what I'll do in this hellscape format. Yeah, uh, give it a try. Before everything goes to... I won't say, before everything changes and before we finally knock off these stupid lava dart decks. I hate lava dart. <laughs> Except, of course, in Morrow's trail, in Morrow's teaser, one of the things he teased is that there's a card that says... You may sacrifice a mountain instead of paying this card's mana cost. And let me tell you, that is my least favorite line of text. Lava shock? You, I don't even know. Two damage? Two damage instead of one? Lava dart wasn't bad. It wasn't uh, good enough, you know? Yeah, like, is this going to be a fire blast thing? Who, anyways, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to try Black Green Yagmoth in this dead hellscape and hope I can crush some prowess souls. Oh, yeah. All right, so that's the snapshot of the meta. Uh, anybody have any fa- uh, final words before we lay our meta to rest and uh, welcome in our new Modern Horizons Two Overlords? Woohoo! Yeah, uh, it's it's been a it's been a crazy ride, and uh, Strixhaven has definitely had some effect. Um, it's only been, I feel like, three to five cards, but that's uh, that's actually the uh, time was. That was the normal number of cards that might have an effect on eternal yep. formats from a standard release. Um, so we mm-hmm. may see a return to form with with things like that. Um, you know, we, we, we already have at least one preview from um, from the uh, Forgotten Realms set that's coming this summer that's replacing the core set, Portable Hole, that might have oh, yeah. some impact on Modern. Um, we, are, we are thinking it probably will. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if there was only a small handful of other cards in that set. I mean, we've already seen some of the other ones, and they look clunky and fair and standard-oriented, as they should be. We've got an entire Modern Horizons 2 to spend the next year breaking in half. So let's get to it. Awesome. Well, stick with us, and when we come back, we are going to start to lay the foundation of cheating bombs into play.
Alright, welcome back. Uh, so, as I said, we are going to talk about getting some bombs into play, but before we get to that, actually, uh, I think Jiggy needs to drop some bombs on us with a little bit of update to his um, Australian Highlander deck and uh, how that tournament's going. How are things going oh, for yeah. you down under? Uh, you know, I'm still uh, up over, but in the down, I'm down under in my heart, and things are going very well. Uh, so I'm 3-1 in the tournament so far. I, All right. Whoop, whoop. Time, time does not matter, so I forget if I talked about this two weeks ago. But I started off 1-1. Uh, this is playing the Temer Academy list I talked about last episode, which we have a list for in the previous episode. Uh, but it, it felt pretty okay. But the one thing that I kind of noticed about this format, and I, it, just, it feels so much better to have answers than to like be proactive. Yeah, there's just so much more value in letting your opponent play to the board and go like Fatal Push, Bolt, Swords to Plowshares, Abrupt Decay, you know, like Slam My Leovold, Force Your Thing. Like it, I don't know, it just, it felt, being reactive felt really much more powerful. Uh, you know, I think that's why my, like, my Arosa list started as blue-green and then I wound up uh, adding red for, you know, like more controlling cards. Uh, and I just want to try something. I was actually at my friend's uh, place. I've, we do magic once a week now because me and a bunch of my friends are vaccinated, which is pretty sweet. And one of my friends, Patrick, shout out to Patrick. I think he listens. I don't know if he listens, but he said he knows about this podcast. So if you're listening, Patrick, uh, you're awesome. Uh, but he makes two, like, just, you know, just pretty casual. So he's been coming up with the, these two color cubes of just like the cards he has around. And so this week's was a black red, or last week's was a black red one, like straight up black red cube. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, it's just like everybody's killing everything. Uh, but as I was drafting, I was looking at all through these cards, and one of the cards that popped up was a portal card called Winds of Change. And this was really intriguing to me because I read the card, and I saw it, and I'm just like, I, you know. So it's one red, it's a sorcery, and it reads, Each player shuffles their hand into their library and draws that many cards. And now this is, you know, seems strange, seems like, okay, like, portal set makes sense. It was also in, I think, 5th edition, etc. But the neato thing about this is that this is actually the cheapest, disc essentially, like, wheel effect. Right? It's not quite a wheel effect, because you, you, know, you don't get to draw 7. It's kind of like a symmetrical windfall. Uh, but if you have a card like Leovold or Hullbreacher or Narset out, this will still affect your opponent, and, like, it'll function is kind of like a one-sided time twister for you again and the really great thing about this is you know time twister wheel of fortune uh you know like those are uh windfall those are the best you can do for these uh, days undoing they all cost three mana for these wheel effects but this is one of the wheel effects at one mana uh, which is you know like i think ever since i think dan on or I'm not quite sure if it's done with the whole Faithless Brewing crew, but when they go over cards, they essentially say, you know, just like, is this card a effect that we have hadn't had before at a cheaper price? And like Winds of Change is the cheapest, you know, quote unquote, like symmetrical wheel effect there is. And so that kind of got me thinking, you know, like what if I create take one of these four color value piles, like, you know, like all the goodies, and what if we just focus on wheels and oppressive cards uh, and you know so this list uh, I call this just four color wheels I have 24 lands uh, 
just this is black red blue green these are zach's favorite colors uh, I definitely drew a little inspiration from Zach as I made this because, like, how would I build a control deck? You know, <laughs> Jiggy Wiggy does not make control decks, but Zach makes control decks. Uh, so what would Zach do? And I tried to channel my inner Zach. Uh, so it, this is kind of interesting because, and so, you know, trying to, if I want to lean into wheels, you know, you want to make them unsymmetrical. And one way to make wheels unsymmetrical is actually Wasteland and Strip Mine. Where if you can knock your opponents off mana if they're struggling for mana, even if you don't have a Narset in play, you can still cast a wheel. And if they're stuck on two lands, you know, like you're probably in pretty decent shape. Uh, so for these, so I just chose to go all mean, and I have Renan six with Renan with uh, Strip Mine and Wasteland. That's four points. Mm -hmm. uh, Force mm -hmm. of Will is my fifth point because you know, like. Uh, just it's good to have you want to have all these counters because you know you don't really care you're going to be refilling your hand because you're playing every wheel that you're legally allowed to play you know just like you're fine with going going down in cards uh and then what are the last ones oh yeah and then i have lutri as my companion because lutri is just like a great companion to have uh, in this dope. format at least yeah. yeah i mean it costs a point uh you know it's not free uh but you know just like i was low on lutri until uh my friend told me that what you do is you wait, you hold Luffy, you hold Lutri, and then you gush, and then you copy gush with Lut with Lutri, and then you just win. Yeah, that that is gross. And, and just in, in, in addition and, to the fact that it's just like another resource that you get to grab once you've established like control of the game. So like, yep, bolt, yep. bolt, flash, otter, hit you for three might just kill most people. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's pretty sweet. So the deck is twenty four lands, you know. Oh, wow, this is the most lands I've ever played in a deck, I think, in a 61-card deck. Uh, so go <laughs> me, we're learning. Uh, it's got, you know, just all fetches, shocks, etc. for the four mana things. Then, as I mentioned, we've got Strip Mine, uh, we've got Wasteland, and then I've also got a Field of the Dead, because LOL, nothing matters. Uh, if we're going to be oppressive, <laughs> we're going to be oppressive. Have you and used like, the Field of the Dead? Yes, you hit seven lands, and then I'm you I'm sure win. you do, I just... Uh... I just, uh, damn, dude. This 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 is perhaps the most disgusting greed pile I've ever seen, and I'm just so jealous yeah. that you're the one who made it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is disgusting it's greed. It's so beautiful. So I have 24 lands. Uh, we have curl mox and mox diamond. They do help to also break the symmetry of wheels. I have a different version. I tried to go turbo wheels and like cut nonsense and add the spirit guides and like lotus petal to like really, but. Once again, you do that, it, you kind of make it. You mean worse. add very, nonsense? Very you added nonsense. <laughs> I added nonsense, and my deck got worse, and I'm so surprised. Uh, but then in the one drops, we've got Git Probe, Misstep, Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, uh, and then we have Blood, Blood Chief's Thirst, Fatal Push, Inquisition, Thoughtseize, Bolt, Winds of Change, Abundant Harvest, and Deathrite Shaman. So you know, essentially, we're cantripping ourselves, we're playing oppressive cards, we're discarding the opponent, or we're killing things. You know, once again, like that. You know, we're gonna be we're gonna be the baddies. We're gonna be the meanies. Uh, on two, we've got Days Jace, Dread Horde, Arcanist, Sylvan Library, Baleful Strix, Abrupt Decay, and Assassin's Trophy, Renan Six, and Quandrix Apprentice. Then on three, we've got Days Undoing, Hull Breacher, Time Twister, Windfall, Force of Negation, Narset, Wheel of Fortune, Dak Faden. Uro and Leobold. And if that's not like the most oppressive lineup of two drops you've ever heard, uh, it's like, honestly, I felt dirty playing this deck. And then we have Gush, Force of Will, and Misdirection. And yes, we are playing Misdirection just because, you know, like it counters the counter spell, which is what you want. You know, like you want to 
do you cast Leobold, they counter, you're happy to force that, whatever, like, it'll help your, help pushes your wheels through. Uh, so I played this list, I tested a little bit, and, like, I was just crushing people in testing. It was, like, it was disgusting. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm, I do love the Academy deck, but I gotta run this. And so I ran this for the second week in the tournament, uh, and it was a very easy uh, 2-0. You know, I mean, I think I actually wound up losing both game ones, but, like, the only losses I felt were when my opponent had the absolute nuts, you know? Like, if they have discard into daze, into bolt, into decay, into, you know, like, other nonsense, like, because there's a whole bunch of oppressive decks. Uh, but I also, I gave this list to Dan, uh, and Dan ran it, and he also 2-0'd his, uh, his Hello. this week with it. Uh, which you know, yeah. I mean, he he said he does. He's not a believer in wins of change, but he liked the rest of the list, which I can respect. It's definitely a nonsense card, uh, but you know, I'm I do like my nonsense. Uh, and so honestly, I'm not gonna run this back in the next weeks. I kind of thought about it. It's just like you know, how much do I want? If I would, if my goal was like win no matter like greatness at any cost, uh, I would definitely just do it. But you know, I'm I'm happy enough knowing that like I kind of root up this greed pile, and it definitely feels very strong. Uh, I just feel so dirty playing these kind of decks, you know, the ones that are just, like, so boring and they just, like... I mean, it's a control deck, and honestly, I think control is boring as hell, you know? Like, control people who love it, good for you, but, like, you know, just, like, kill your dude, kill your dude, answer your thing, answer your thing, draw a couple cards, play my oppressive card, you know, can't counter your thing again. It just... it drives me crazy, personally, and so I don't... You know, I'd rather I'd rather win on my own terms, and because of that, I'm going back to my straight up blue green, not even red Simic Arosa for week three. Uh, but you know, the deck is still very strong. I've been testing it, and like I still win much more than I lose. And you know, I wanna I wanna do things again my way. And you know, I still I still feel pretty good about this. Like I think you know, I just have to win my next four, which obviously not easy to go four zero again. Uh, but you know, I feel pretty good about it. And if I win the next four, I think I might make top eight, and we'll go from there. Hell yeah! But you know, this, these decks are oppressive. Like, they're just... <laughs> Leovold is a really messed up card, and if anyone wants Leovold in Modern, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we do not need Leovold. As much as I would love to, you know? Like, I want to make a Wheels deck in Modern. That is, like, one of my 15,000 white whales in Modern, is, like, these, these working wheel decks. But honestly, I would not... I would prefer to not have a wheel deck than I would pr to have a wheel deck and Leovold in the format. That's fair. That's fair. Well, speaking of uh, bombs, as Leovold is... Boom, uh, boom. Why don't we move on to our main topic this week, which is uh, cheating bombs into play. Um, and so this seemed topical for a number of reasons. As we uh, talked about in the meta a little bit, we've seen um, a resurgence of Through the Breach decks. Uh, as Zach uh, talked about earlier, there is this Velamachus deck. Um, and uh, I know that Zach's also been throwing spaghetti at people uh, these past few weeks. And um, there seems to have been a bit of an uptick in, in that sort of stuff. Uh, I myself have been looking to uh, sneak Bolus's Citadels into play, uh, Blightsteel Colossi, um, and various other things of that nature. Um, and this isn't 
uh, a new sort of deck archetype. Uh, Through the Breach has been around for quite a while now, um, and it has been in and out of Blue Moon shells um, as a game-ending combo, although it falls in and out of favor. So, you know, sometimes you see the Kiki combo in Blue Moon, sometimes you see your typical Planeswalker sort of control finisher in uh, Ral, uh, and sometimes you see this Through the Breach. Uh, recently, there has been an uptake, and there have been a bunch of different takes on cheating big bombs into play, uh, and a bunch of different payoffs that have been cheated into play. So today is basically all about establishing a good foundation of the how and why you might want to do this, um, and yeah. So we've got uh, primary different ways of cheating different creatures or other bombs onto the battlefield. So th- these are the, the, the zones that you're coming from that you are dumping your thing onto the battlefield, and they're going to have different restrictions. Um, we have hand to battlefield. We have reanimation from the graveyard, so that's graveyard to battlefield. And we have library to battlefield. Um, so all of these things, of course, have their different pluses and minuses. Um, reanimation is fantastically awesome, but that has not been the focus of a lot of the decks that have been working um, recently. It's probably because there's been uh, so much uh, graveyard hate just historically in modern and, and with the recent resurgence in uh, Dredge. So from hand to battlefield, we have uh, four different cards here to talk about. We've got Through the Breach. That gets you a creature of uh, indeterminate size, let's call it, um, from your hand onto the battlefield and gives it haste. Ilharg the Razebore has a very similar effect to Through the Breach. Puts your creature from your hand into play with haste of any size. Um, and then, of course, the well-known and uh, lauded Aether Vial. Um, now, Aether Vial, of course, sort of wants your deck to have a specific curve and a specific um, density, a clump, let's say, around uh, usually three, um, but decks like Goblins might use four. Um, as the sort of spot where your Aether Vial is going to hang out and sort of give you maximum value. Um, so th- these are all pretty different. Uh, I mean, personally, for, for me, the, the exciting ones are Through the Breach and Ilharg and, and things that are just going to do, do, do the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think out of these, like Aether Vial, you know, is more so kind of like a cheating utility card as opposed to cheating bombs into play. Unless you're aspiring spike and you steal your opponent's aether vial, in which case you know you can live the dream. Take it up fifteen. Uh, drop in the Emrakul. Oh yeah, I I totally agree with that take. The only reason I added aether vial here is for one little word, and that is charge. It is a charge counter mm. that goes mm. on the aether mm. vial. Mm. And as we have seen with um, dice factory decks, there are ways to just dump a boatload of charge counters so, on something. So, so surge node, Sahili, mm-hmm. and aether vial, is mm-hmm. that what you're proposing? And you can immediately dump... Um, well, Ilharg. so if you do... I mean, if you dump an aether vial, if you, if you play an aether vial on one, and you can't copy until three with your Sahili... You will have nine counters if you get uh, if you copy a surge node, or is that no, yeah? You'll it, have nine counters. No, you'll have seven because the surge node. It doesn't uh, take the counters in the surge node. Seven. You're making a surge node yeah, into an aether vial, and it's going to have just the six counters, right? Yeah. From yeah, from the the surge node itself. Doesn't surge node have seven? No, I think it's six. No, it's six. 
Hmm. Well, and there you have it. So you'll have six counters. Uh, it, it's hey, a fun way to get a Titan. with those six counters, yeah. it's one way to get an Ilharg the Razeborn into play. Well, right? Ilharg There's costs five. Ilharg is six. Oh, five? Yeah. Oh, damn. Extra Fire design, cheap. baby. War of the Spark. <laughs> but there, there are also things like Core Tapper, so you yep, could yep, get yep, yep, yep. two extra. So you could be looking at eight counters, possibly more. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so the I guess... Dice Factory Aether Vial deck. Uh, this is actually pretty intriguing to me. Uh, I guess the point I meant to make is, you know, like if you look at these of which one is successful, uh, through the breach is the most successful, and I think just giving your thing, yeah. giving the thing haste is like, you know, like probably the most important thing there is. Unless, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe Crystal Brand doesn't necessarily need haste, but everything else pretty much needs haste. Well, there's a couple reasons that through the breach is sort of best in class. First of all, it is an instant. Um, so that's mm -hmm. that's big game. And it reads, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste. So as you pointed out, the haste is super significant. Sacrifice that creature at the beginning of the next end step. So because this, has, uh, because this is an instant and you can cast it on your opponent's end step, you have uh, a perfect opportunity to do things on their turn, still get your creature for your turn, and it doesn't get sacrificed until your end step. Um, and I think that what we'll see here is that a lot of the decks that are playing this style, such as the Blue Moon, are going to be more controlling decks. They're going to have um, interaction that they get to hold up and things like that. And so this just slots in perfectly there. Uh, some of the other cheaty spells that we're going to talk about are sorceries. And so they don't lend themselves quite as well to this style of gameplay like the Through the Breach does. Um so the, the go-to creature that has been uh, the most popular for many years at this point is Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn. 15-15, <laughs> and uh, Annihilator 6 flying with haste. That's going to end most games of Modern, but not all. Um, there is, of course, the opportunity to do other fun stuff. You could uh, put in a Sundering Titan. That would be pretty uh, devastating against certain decks. Um, because you're going to have it come in and leave. You're going to destroy two of every basic land type. You just have to make sure that your land types are um, appropriately set up so you're not losing too many. Um, you could do something like uh, our good new friend, uh, new new old friend, the Blightsteel Colossus. Uh, but Blightsteel Colossus is probably better suited to uh, some of the other cards we're talking about later. Um, so... The, I guess, I mean, so th this is a well-established strategy of a sort of tempo control deck that uh, just sort of nickel and dimes their way through the game until they can put together the five mana and find an Emrakul and a Through the Breach. Um, I covered these archetypes in pretty heavy depth in an article I wrote last week on um, faithlessbrewing.com. Um, both the Breach decks and Breach decks featuring the card... Um, Indomitable creativity. Uh, so, Brian, do you see any potential for expansion on ex on what these decks are doing in a semi-competitive sense, or 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 is this just like, well, you could do something like Sundering Titan or Blightsteel Colossus, but it's never. There's no real point compared to doing Emrakul. I don't know. I mean, I think that you know, the Emrakul makes sense. Uh, that Annihilator is just it's big game. You know, there's a reason that that she is best in class. Um, well, Emrakul also has protection from instance, mm -hmm. right? Colored or what instance. is it? Oh, no, colored spells. Colored Col spells. Yeah. Colored spells. 
colored spells. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like uh, that is huge too. Because if if Blight, if Blightsteel Colossus had hexproof or something, you know, it would be so much better for sneaking out. But the one issue is that it does everything before it attacks, and then you know, even when it attacks, it doesn't always kill. Like Emrakul has everything where it's got the built-in protection. It's got, you know, 15-15, so it's probably, you know, especially like given all the shocks and fetches, and if your duck runs a couple lightning bolts and snaps two, you know, like you can kill in one swing. Even if they don't kill in one swing, losing six permanents is most of the time, you know, going to be good enough for most decks. It's just, it's kind of, you know, the perfect storm of this is, every one of these attributes of this card is really good for when you get it, when you th put it in through, through the breach. And I do, to kind of, to answer Zach's question, I do think that for the most part, there's really nothing else worth through the breaching right now except for Emrakul. And, you know, this is why I think we only see that in all these through the breach cell shells, you know, like it's almost always Emrakul. Yep. Yeah, I think that the other cheaty cards tend to play more with some of their win conditions, but if you're going to go with through the breach specifically, uh, Emrakul seems to be the go to. Now, before mm -hmm. Faithless Looting was banned, one of the players who was uh, who loved playing D-Gen kind of decks at my shop loved playing Gristle Pig. Um, so for those who do not remember, this is a Faithless Looting deck with Goryeo's Vengeance. And um, those decks had the, the B plan and the post-board plan a lot of the time of using Through the Breach to put in their Grizzle Brands. But when War of the Spark came out, it turns out they could also use Ilharg the Raise Boar. So that's three red red for a 6-6 six, six trample. Holy crap. Um, and when it attacks, you can put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And then you return that card to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Um, the, the big reason that you don't normally use Emrakul with this is that you don't get the Annihilator trigger. Although attacking with a 15-15 seems pretty good. Uh, but with uh, Grizzlebrand, you could do a lot more damage um, to uh, to their hand with a bunch of Inquisitions and Thoughts Eases, or um, you can uh, use the, the combo with things like Nourishing Shoal to draw your whole deck. Um, do you think there's any way to get the, the true degeneracy of this back, uh, Jig? Dr. Combo, I feel like this is kind of up your alley. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as much as I hate Gristlebrand, I also love Gristlebrand when it's on my side of the battlefield. That is for <laughs> sure. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't really think so. Like, it's just... In modern, you know, the legacy... In legacy, Gristlebrand's like the number thing you want to reanimate because if you draw a bunch of cards, you have your Lotus Petals, you have your Unmasked, you have all these free spells that, like, really... I guess Gristlebrand's stock maybe does go a bit up with Grief now because, like, you can... Get in Gristlebrand, you know, just like draw. I mean, uh, they still have they can still have removal for it, but you know, if you draw a bunch of cards Gristlebrand, at least you can start pitching cards to grief and start tearing apart their hand, which is always a plus. But you know, just like without stuff like Lotus Petal, etc., I think it'll you know it's a much harder sell. Cause sure, you know, you swing for set. Let's say it's even got haste, right? Let's say let's say you hit the jackpot, and you swing in with your Gristlebrand. They don't have removal. You bash in for seven, and then you draw like twenty-one cards. What are you going to do now, you know? You're the dog that caught the car, <laughs> and now it's a little awkward. Because you, like, you can't, you know, if they were Lotus Petals, if they were Chromoxes, if they were Griefs, you could just start, you know, just, like, 
Lotus Petal, discard, Chromoc, Exile Black card, discard, Grief, discard. You can just like tear your opponent's hand apart. And you know, next turn you're still at like 14 life and you've got a full hand of like juice and your opponent's on nothing. Like, you know, that's what, that's really what Gristlebrand is meant to do. And unless, until we get that critical mass of, you know, things, ways that I can spend the value that I accrue with my life, I just don't think that it'll ever be worth it. Yeah, and, and I think, so th that comes back to, Gristlebrand is, a, a, uh, yeah, a lot better in Legacy because of the number of free cards, but it's also a better payoff because of the number of ways you can cheat it in um, for cheaper that let you keep it. Um, so show and tell and the reanimation deck both let you keep the gristle brand. Um, and having a seven, seven lifelink is enough to end a lot of games very quickly. Um, especially when there are a reasonable number of decks that just don't have ways to remove that. Um, Here, here's, here's another question, Zach. So if uh, gristle brand is a throwback to Yagmoth's bargain, and Yagmoth's bargain reads, you skip your draw step, pay a life, draw a card. Why does Gristlebrand not cost you your draw step? Why does Gristlebrand still let you draw cards when you've got it on the battlefield? The, the development gone mad, sir. Development gone mad. Now just why didn't they give him I the Necropotence line? You put the cards in exile yeah. face down and you add them to your hand at your end step. That would be way more fair. Random tangent. And my friend's black red cube, like I saw Necropotence go in a pack and it's like, well, I cannot not draft this because like this is probably the best card in the cube. Uh, turns out Necropotence is not great in the black red mirrors. Yeah, that seems less than... <laughs> Just kind of sits there, you get burnt out and it's like, well, I can't do anything. There's no way to gain life, like shit. Yeah. Oops. So... Um, yeah, lesson learned. Yeah, so... Wish it were a Gristlebrain. <laughs> so Emrakul does fantastically good work with haste. Um... Uh, Blightseal Colossus does do good work with haste, but it's pretty easy for your opponent to stop you from dealing the full 10 points of infect. Not every time, but, you know, uh, I think you're only going to get away with that once, and in game 2 and 3, once your opponent's worked out that you're blight stealing instead of emrakuling, they can leave back some amount of toughness, probably, that's going to make that plan awkward for you. But... well. It also suffers from the horrible problem of Vapor Snag. Yeah, allergic to Path to Exile, which was extinct, yep. but no longer seems to be. Um, a lot of the white <laughs> removal um, on Thin Ice will do it if you end up queuing into Aspiring Spike. So, um, yeah, that, that, there's definitely a thing that can happen. So, I think th through the Breach and these kinds of things, th these are pretty played out, but... We do have a list of cards here, and you went, you went deep on this one too. I mean, we've got the stock effects deep. here, but this is the library to battlefield category. Um, some of these work differently; some of them work the same. So, if we want to touch on the ones that are very similar, um, Polymorph, Transmogrify, Proteus Staff, Luca, and Indomitable Creativity. Those yeah. ones all mm -hmm. sort of follow the same the same rules um dream shaper shaman and jalira i don't really want to talk too much about because they themselves are creatures yeah so if you find a way to make basically so all of these cards work by 
destroying a creature or exiling a creature, and then you go through your deck to get a different creature. Now, in the case of Luka, you go up in mana cost, so it will ignore anything that was cheaper than what you sacrificed. These other ones, you get to construct your deck in such a way that you only have, you know, one named creature that you want. Now, you could have four Emrakuls in your deck, but you're always going to hit an Emrakul before you hit anything else um, with these effects. So Polymorph and Transmogrify are functional reprints of each other. Proteus Staff, I believe, is very close. It puts the car creature... The targeted creature goes on the bottom, but then you just flip through mm-hmm. your deck until you find a different creature. So... All of these cards incentivize you to play exactly uh, one one type of creature in your deck. Um, so th- these have all been used to pretty great effect in the last little while. Um, cheating in Emrakul's or my, my good boy Velomachus Lorehold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even before the recent successes, uh, you know, I, I've definitely seen on like... Um, mtg salvation or like the old old magic forums people trying to make proteus staff brews uh with polymorph work you know proteus staff being copies five through eight of polymorph uh in Mm -hmm. m21 we saw transmogrify get reprinted or get printed the first time which is uh a better copies five through eight because it's actually just a functional reprint um and you know kaladesh or aether revolt uh saw indomitable creativity which we're going to put a little uh star next to because that one actually has some um extra text on it that makes it interesting for a number of cases um but yeah you know similar to through the breach we're mostly seeing emrakuls come out of this one um all of these cards uh as zach said really are asking you to do something uh similar in the deck building constraint which is not play any other creatures um and so i think that it's a it's a it's a good question to ask why now why are we seeing this uptick of these style of decks now i have one answer and that answer is throne of eldraine why do you think throne of eldraine uh, the the mountain cycle, the ah. dwarven mine, is I think the thing that really, I mean I don't on I think maybe you or Zach might have better insight as to little like why literally in the past like one to two months as opposed to you know like why quote unquote now, but it was definitely the printing of dwarven mine that that fetchable always have a creature if you have all if you have a bunch of mountain mana base like that pretty much guarantees you'll have your creature on turn four and don't have to you know run any of these little quirks uh to prevent yourself from having any other creatures you can hit with this effect yeah uh, as early as the release of eldrain and just only shortly afterwards i i specifically remember lawson zandy and a few other people playing a uh jeskai deck or yeah, I think it was usually Jeskai that was playing Teferi Time Raveler to protect it, along with uh, Dwarven Mine in the mana base uh, to transmogrify yep, yep, yep. or indomitable creativity for stuff. So yeah, you're 100% correct. And the reason why, dear listeners, is because you need a creature to target um, that is not a creature. What I mean is, if you can generate a creature token from your deck... Um, that is the ideal way to to construct the deck that what what you're what we're looking to do. So you put four emeralds in your deck and no other creatures. 
Polymorph or Transmogrify, Proteus Staff, or Indomitable Creativity, all of these cards need to target a creature of some kind. So the best way to do that is generating tokens. And there are a bunch of things that do that. Um, in Pioneer, people are using all sorts of stuff. Um, sagas and Planeswalkers and, uh, and Omen of the Suns. Um, but in Modern, we get to cheat and use Fetchlands um, with uh, Dwarven Mine, which is part of the same cycle as uh, Mystic Sanctuary. So it's, uh, it is a mountain-type land. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three other mountains. And when it enters the battlefield untapped, you get a 1-1 Dwarf token. So yeah, that that's yeah, jig jig just nailing it there. That is 100% a card that has cracked the door wide open for uh, for those specific cards for sure. Um, and and addressing your second point, I mean, I, I wrote about this in the Velomachus article uh, or maybe the Breach article, but I was uh, I just believe that there was a, a, a small coalescing of of forces within um, the metagame of people got totally off of force and negation. Like, nobody was playing Force of Negation for a couple weeks. Um, and, and that was where things like this started popping up. Um, mm. I'm not even sure what exactly it was. They, there must have been some kind of arms race between, like, the BTL Scapeshift decks or Titan decks or something was going on where people thought, oh, Force of Negation, I don't, I don't even need it. Um, it's not particularly good against Prowess. I know, like, that's definitely true. And the way the Esper decks were choosing to fight each other... Uh, definitely seems like that that was less less relevant but anywho not relevant to the overall constructions of these decks in the abstract so yeah dwarven mine is a heavy heavy consideration for a lot of decks you would choose to uh, build with with uh, polymorph transmogrify indomitable creativity or proteus staff now luca we, we've seen pop up in a number of different shells because luca has the specific um down tick that it is very similar to transmogrify where it exiles the creature but it can only go up in mana cost. So if you construct your deck in rungs, um, as in you have um, specific mana cost where you clump your creatures, then you can be sure once you uh, are exiling a creature of a certain size that it's going to get a certain creature that is a size larger than that. Case in point, uh, one of the challenges that we, we were, we were uh, just looking at the, over the last couple of weeks was won by what I refer to as like a turbo Luka deck, where um, their mana cost, mana curve stops at three, totally, except for the one Emrakul. So if you cast your Luka, you just exile one of your three drops and get a 15 uh, cost creature into play. That's pretty spicy. That's pretty spicy. Uh, yeah, I it think... doesn't... A while ago, they were messing, like these decks were messing with uh, Planebound Accomplice, I believe, to like really go next level, where you get mm. to Planebound yeah. Accomplice, yeah. and then, was it put in a Luka and use Luka to transmogrify? The Planebound Accomplice. Yeah, so it was a four mana Emrakul. Insane. That's, that's great value. No matter how you cut it, that is just great value. Yeah, um, uh, so I, I, have, I had a deck from uh, last year in this vein, uh, which I'll provide a link to, that was called Maximum Luka Drive. Um, and uh, this was a modern deck that um, decided that, yeah, we're playing one Emrakul and four Lukas, but what if we played four Emrakuls and four Lukas and four Through the Breach and uh, some World Spine Worms to fill it out even more, uh, which was a blast and a half to play. 
Um, so I will definitely include a link to that uh, in the uh, description of the video here. So uh, another possible reason that we may have seen an uptick uh, recently is actually the printing of Strixhaven. Uh, along with the Velamachus Lorehold, which is uh, a great game-ending bomb to be cheating into play, uh, we also saw the printing of Prismari Command, which seems to be featured pretty heavily in a lot of these decks. Um, and so, as we had said with Through the Breach, um, you know, this is a more controlling game plan. Um, because it's an instant, you're kind of incentivized to be able to hold up interaction and things like that and play it on your opponent's end step. Um, but it is also a two-card combo that requires that you have both cards in hand. Uh, Prismari Command is um, part of the command cycle, so it has uh, four different uh -huh. modes. You get to pick two. One of those modes is um, a loot, so it's a, a loot two. You get to draw two and then discard two, which helps you draw through your deck. Uh, the other modes are various forms of interaction, and uh, one of the modes is create a treasure token. So circling back to that asterisk next to our indomitable creativity, one of the differentiators of this card is that you can sacrifice an artifact or a creature. And so indomitable creativity works particularly well in these red base decks because it can sacrifice a creature that you produce with your Dorvern Mine or a treasure token that you've created with your Prismari command. Um, and the other little weird aspect of Indomitable Creativity is that it will also find an artifact if you have an artifact in your deck. So if you are running the Indomitable Creativity, you need to be careful that you do not have creatures other than the bomb you're looking for or artifacts. Watching, I think you make a really good point with Prismari Command. Watching Zach play a whole bunch, you know, like the amount of times that his number one mode for that card was loot two and then create a treasure and like that loot too is so key also because you know just dig literal two cards deeper if you're especially trying to just find a simple combo like or if you know you just need to find your one of card either your uh endowment creativity or you know if you're looking to combine emrakul with through the beach it does it does everything and i think you know i think that's a might actually be the strongest answer as to why in the past two months have all these you know all these Indomitable Creativity Polymorph deck started showing up even more than they used to. And it's like, oh, I bet, you know, you made a really good point, Brian. I bet it's Prismari Command. Yeah, I think that certainly doesn't hurt. Um, and like I said, you know, Lorehold, Velamachus Lorehold being a good creature to to tutor out or um, to, to cheat out is, is probably another reason. Um, you know, people like doing things that isn't the same old thing. And so instead of your mm. Emrakul, uh, which... You know, Emrakul doesn't always just win the game, but Velamachus, you get to spin a wheel, and when you spin that wheel, you could get something like another turn. <laughs> Yo, I I love spinning wheels. Brian just gonna straight up say that right now. Like I want I want to spin the wheels. I, th I mean, the addictive part of the Velamachus Lorehold deck for me is just getting to those moments where you get to attack with this dragon and look at your top seven and be like. I might have won the game, but maybe not. And it might be really exciting if I don't. We'll see. So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it gives it's uh, flashes of uh, Niv Mizzet reborn um, when you started flipping mm. ten cards over in front of the whole the whole group of people that were around and were like, "What the hell is happening?" And you're just like, "I'll draw the four. Was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Niv yeah. Niv. Now now Niv is you know 
he's I he's, mean, a, he's cool, a little mainstream. Not as cool. He's a little mainstream. He's gone. Yeah, and yeah. good for him. Oh yeah, he but, he, you know, he deserved it. But I mean, I, I got to move on to the next. <laughs> we got to be on the the Spice Patrol. Yeah, yeah, for real. You know, I'm I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hipster. But the more things, the more that other people do the things that I'm doing, the less I want to do them. Yeah, it used to be cool, yeah. man. Yeah. It used to be cool. <laughs> I always so, gave up on that. We can talk uh, a little bit more about the specifics of the Velimachus deck in just a moment, but we have a couple more cards here that will also cheat things into play. So much like Polymorph and Transmogrify will uh, destroy, exile, what, what have you, a creature and find another creature, we also have uh, Shapenu which comes from Scars of Mirrodin, and it says the controller of target artifact sacrifices it, then reveals cards from the top of his or her library until uh, they reveal an artifact card. That player puts that card onto the battlefield and then shuffles all other cards revealed this way into their library. Uh, so this is basically the same effect as a polymorph, but it is looking for artifacts. Um, similarly, we have Madcap Experiment, uh, printed in Aether Revolt Kaladesh. I get the set symbols mixed up all the time. Um, and this one says, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Madcap Experiment deals damage to you equal to the number of cards revealed this way. So these are somewhat similar to Indomitable Creativity in that they can find an artifact, uh, but they are a little bit different because they are not binding you to a creature in particular. So this is where I get a little bit more interested. Um, as I said, you know, I've been trying to cheat out some Bolas's Citadels and things like that. Uh, so I think that that is a good use for Shapenu at least, or the Indomitable Creativity. Um, Madcap Experiment tends to be run with a very specific bomb in Platinum Empyrean. Uh, because you take the damage, um, there are very few things that you can cheat into play and uh, not just lose if that thing is on the L bottom of your deck. to tell the tale. Yeah, and <laughs> so Platinum Empyrean says that your life total can't change, which means that when it's cheated into play, you don't actually take the damage from all of the cards that you revealed along the way. Yay, state-based effects. Woohoo! So these are kind of the, the big set of cards. Um, along with the shape anew uh you know people have tried things as zach had talked about earlier like sundering titan um there was recently some five o's with a shape anew deck that was just looking to get the platinum empyrean in shape anew was functioning as copies five through eight of madcap experiment or vice versa um there are uh, you know, all sorts of funky artifacts. Um, as I had also mentioned at the top of the episode, you know, we could do silly things like get a knowledge pool to go with our Teferi Time Raveler. Um, so I think that, at least for me, this is a, a, a bit of a more interesting space because there's, you know, a lot of wacky artifacts out there, some of them incredibly expensive that you don't want to pay full retail for. Um, I mean, uh, the same can be said of 
creatures, but creatures typically attack and win the game. Uh, artifacts are more fun because you don't win the game. You draw a bunch of cards, and then you lose with a bunch of cards in hand or any other num uh, number of fun ways to, to lose. I would also say that there's just less ways to do it. Like, we're just looking at a stack of stuff here, and there's just less ways to cheat artifacts into play. Out of all the cards we're looking at here, it's like 2 of 12, and this doesn't even cover the, the Elvish Pipers of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, those are the ways to get things into play. As we've said, you know, um, the Throne of Eldraine lands, so this includes the Dwarven Mine, but it also includes the Gingerbread Cabin, which will make a food token. Food token is an artifact, so that works really well with the Shape Anew or the Indomitable Creativity. Uh, although the mana requirements there are a little bit mind-bending. I don't know that I would ever want to play Gingerbread Cabin and Indomitable Creativity in the same deck, especially when you have access to that Dorvern Mine already in red. Um, and then the Prismari Command, making that treasure token, which is also an artifact, um, you know, plays really well with some of these uh, artifact cheaty spells. And I, I, but I would say, um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it in a minute, because um, I actually have already played a great shape, a new deck. Um, that deck was not using the Gingerbread Cabin or Dwarven Mine, anything. It just played ten ways to put uh, tokens into play. Actually, maybe slightly more than that. I have to look at the deck list again. Um, but you, you can do it without doing anything fancy. There's just enough things nowadays um, that they've printed that just generate... Uh, treasure tokens, food tokens, etc. Uh, and we have more coming. There's the innkeeper that's going to be in um, in Forgotten Realms. That's a two mana one one that gives you a, a treasure token. So um, you don't have to uh, make this fetch land thing happen. And um, one of the big pluses about that is that uh, unlike a dwarf token, your opponent's unlikely to be packing a bunch of removal to snipe your your treasure token. You know, um, so. It, it sort of has the insurance of if you put it into play, it's going to sit there until you find the, the shape anew, most likely. Yeah, I mean, kids these days have it so easy. <laughs> I, have a, <laughs> I have a list from, oh my god, probably close to like a year ago at this point. But I was also trying this because, you know, shape anew has always been curious to me. And uh, knowledge, the knowledge pool plus the fairy lock is pretty interesting and then there's also lavinia too which acts as you know like mm -hmm. another and honestly like even now we have janeth magistrate which is like you know they would be technically 9 through 12 of the same effect where janeth magistrate is also a lock with uh teferi with knowledge pool uh with teferi and then there's also uh, so i had like a, it was a bant version that had shape anew where the hit was knowledge pool you also ran Karns to fetch it out of your sideboard and you had teferi and you had like Gilded Goose and Draven Inspector and the uh, I don't know the thing the enchantment the that makes a zero four wall and finds the planes from one of the newer sets I forget so you know it had all these just like you were talking about it had all these little things and yeah it was pretty medium because it turns out the knowledge pool to fairy lock is pretty weak <laughs> it's like you'd be amazed how often how often people just kind of beat you even though you have them locked out. Although, it did come up with, like, some really fun lines of casting Knowledge Pool and then casting a spell into Knowledge Pool and hoping that you hit a Teferi on your top three. Uh, so, you know, to kind of, like, lock them. So, that, that was a cool deck. Uh, but I bet you could revisit now and be a lot more powerful. Because, uh, as Brian mentioned, we have a whole 
these past couple of sets have given us a whole bunch of new tools for these sorts of concepts, which is very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. I, as Zach pointed out, there are a lot of token makers. I will just say, in, in defense of the gingerbread cabin, being able to run 8 to 12 fetch lands to fetch that just makes it... It's, it's right at your fingertips, man. It's right at your fingertips. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does make it a lot less work. And then if you're running that green-heavy base, um, it makes running Tireless Tracker very attractive, which I just love playing that card mm -hmm. anyway. So, like... Why would I not want to do that? Ren in six. Ren in six. Ren in six. Yeah. Friend in six. Friend in six. Mm. Um, Ren in seven. Let's go. All right. So we got the cards that are doing the cheating. Uh, we've got some of the best in class uh, token makers or, or fodder for those cheaty cards. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the bombs that we are trying to cheat into play. Uh, I think the most exciting recently is probably the, the Velamachus Lorehold. Um, Zach, you just had a, a sweet run this morning in the challenge with this deck. Why don't you give us a little bit of rundown? Like, why is Velamachus uh, a good bomb, and what are we doing with him? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I, I wrote an exhaustive article to this effect at faithlessbrewing.com, so you can check that out for anything that I fumble my way through here or I'm not clear about. So, um, Freak You Nasty and a couple of other more clever individuals than me figured out that Velomachus Lorehold is a 7-mana 5-5 five, five Flying Vigilance Haste Dragon. And all of these things are important factors because um, Velomachus being a 5-5 five, five, uh, has an attack trigger that says when it attacks you look at the top 7 cards of your library and you may cast an instant or sorcery um, with converted mana cost less than or equal to his power, which is default 5, um, for free. So the best thing you can do with that is gain an extra turn because if you get an extra turn you get to attack with Velomachus again, which is kind of sick. The problem is, well, there is Time Warp that we hit, but is there any other playable turn spell with which to try to actually win the game with this to increase the density to a point where you think, hmm, maybe we can win in one shot? Yes, there is. And that card is Savor the Moment. So uh, fresh from its price spike uh, about, uh, well, we're on Throne of Eldraine. So uh, is that... Oh my god, is that like 18, 19 months now? Good god. Um, it's a long time ago. Yeah, with uh, Fires of Invention. Uh, that's when um, Saver, the moment, had its first resurgence. So this is blue, blue one for a sorcery that says, uh, take an extra turn after this one. You skip the untap of that turn. Now that applies to everything, including your poor creatures, which means most of them wouldn't be able to attack more than once. But Velomachus has Vigilance. And so what you end up with here is, if you can get a Velomachus into play, each time it attacks, you look at the top seven cards, and you have a reasonable shot. I actually did the math for you if you check out the article. You have a reasonable shot at um, flipping an extra turn spell, which means then you can go again and get a reasonable shot at taking an extra turn spell. And then you can go again and take a reasonable shot at taking an extra turn spell. Um, they married this concept, specifically Freak You Nasty, uh, who streams at twitch.tv slash freakunasty, the letter U, um, married that concept with um, sort of solving, well, now you've got this deck with four save of the moment and four time warps in it and Velomachus Lorehold. 
what what else, how do you frame that and it turns out one of the best things you can do is play red and six because as with the taking turns shell if you can get red and six's uh emblem with a time warp you can just go to infinite turns and among other things this gives you a great um b strategy um for winning for winning a game um Using the Dwarven Mine mana base um, actually encourages you to go into at least three colors, assuming there's a corresponding triome, and does not necessarily make it that much of a stretch to go into four colors. Um, you are going to be <laughs> brutally vulnerable to Blood Moon no matter what you do, um, and there's just no fixing that. Um, uh, but vulnerable does not mean dead. You are not dead to Blood Moon, and I have won through Blood Moon many a time with this deck already. Um, so don't let it scare you that your deck has a vulnerability. There's nothing wrong with having a vulnerability. Um, so yeah, you, I mean, you can get more in-depth thoughts than that about the deck, but suffice to say, it has been an incredible ride. And the most important thing to circle back to the point of why Velomachus? Why would you do this? Why is this deck worth creating? Well, let me tell you something about Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn. Um, Through the Breach is a great card. It really is. And the Through the Reach deck is, is, is a great example of a, a modern archetype. But it is very old, and it was has been unpopular for um, periods of time for a good reason. It's a little clunky, and it can the wheels can fall off that deck fairly easily sometimes. Spell Pierce or, uh, or a Stone Rain that, that breaks through their counter magic can be pretty disastrous for them trying to get up to 5 mana. Additionally... It, it, the deck does not really have much of a B plan, so Unmoored Ego, things like uh, things like that, things like uh, a Thoughtseize at the wrong moment can really set you back a long way. Um, this deck has a little more resiliency to a lot of things like that, and it's got more speed. Um, you can literally kill someone on your third turn. Uh, you'll just kill them on your seventh turn, which will be your fourth turn in a row. Uh, because between Growth Spiral and Indomitable Creativity, you can get your Velomachus into play on turn three and start attacking with it. And just chain turns from that point. Um, so similar to Through the Breach, this allows you to get cracking as soon as you've spent your mana on your investment. Uh, unlike Indomitable Creativity for Emrakul. Um and that's a really big selling point to me because modern is so freaking fast that dumping an Emrakul into play with an Indomitable Creativity is neat until your burn opponent untaps and Boros charms you and Lightning Bolts you and you realize you died. Yum. Yeah. Delicious. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> a quick overview of the Velomachus turns deck. I have played a lot of this deck that you can find on my YouTube, and you can find my big exhaustive article from a couple weeks back about that. Um, so, uh, there is certainly a budget, quote-unquote, version of that deck available, too. Uh, there's a Jeskai version that I have streamed, uh, so you can find that on my YouTube as well, that cuts the Renin Sixes. Yes, it doesn't have the same kind of infinite turns, uh, mid-range plan but it's it's a pretty damn good deck i mean i four one with it on my first time out and it uses uh the rest of the shell entirely so if you're the kind of person who's interested in this but you don't want to shell it for ren and sixes quite yet um that's a great place for you to pursue to start with um so yeah i mean this is kind of a great um uh new example of of a creature to cheat into play that's just absolutely nuts yeah, and so I think, um, you know, 
we've already touched on uh, a lot of the things that you might want to shape anew for. Um, there aren't any particularly new bombs that got printed in Strixhaven. Um, so, you know, the most common targets do tend to be Blightsteel, Colossus, or Platinum Empyrean. Um, you know, we've talked about both of those, but I think that there is some pretty good ripe brewing area for trying to tutor out or, uh, you know, find a Bolus' Citadel or the Knowledge oh, yeah. Pool or, um, you know, some of these other old artifacts. Um, and I think that the uh, some of the newer spells and these lands are a good reason to start looking at these techniques again. Um, and so for as much as we just talked about, this is like just scratching the surface, more or less. Uh, you know, I think that the important thing to keep in mind is that there are a number of different packages you can construct. So if you find something that you think is a game winning bomb that you want to get out, be it an artifact or a creature, you kind of work backwards from there. Uh, figure out, you know, what package do you want to get that out onto the battlefield and what's going to go into supporting that, um, you know, as we said, Prismari Command is probably a pretty good bet if you are doing something like a Through the Breach or even the Indomitable Creativity. Uh, that velocity through your deck is definitely not um, negligible. And uh, having that extra fodder uh, in the, the treasure token is great or the extra acceleration that it provides. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, you, you build your packages and then kind of flesh out the rest of the deck from there. Um, you know. here's a, here's a question for you, Brian, then. So what, what part of this are like, you know, as a brewer, what are you most interested in to like explore with this? You know, like, are you, I guess, which is your, which of your packages are you most interested in brewing around? So most recently I've been looking at the gingerbread cabin. Um, I built a, so I, I guess I'll back up here. So first of all, Shape Anew, you know, I like artifacts, obviously, um, and I wanted to play with some Bolus's Citadel. Uh, I thought Shape Anew might be a fun way to do that. Um, and from there, I was thinking about uh, the power of the Gingerbread Cabin after uh, having played a little bit of the Velamachus deck and then watching Zach play it a bunch. Um, and so I built, you know, primarily green mana base uh, that also was playing blue. I figured if I'm doing that, I should probably also be uh, playing Bring to Light because that gives me extra copies of Shape Anew or, you know, whatever else that I might want. So I ended up building a, a control shell that's running things like Abrupt Decay and whatnot. Um, and I figured if I'm going to be doing that, I might as well jam in some Valky. Uh, so most recently I've been toying around with a Shape Anew deck that's uh, cheating a Blightsteel Colossus into play as sort of one of the plans, the secondary plan or the other plan, I don't know. Uh, I guess you go for whatever is more appropriate at the time. The other plan is the Bring to Light uh, Tybalt plan. Um, and I have played, I think, five matches with this, and I think I've only lost one. Um, it has held up i played against the aspiring spike uh sultai bring to light control deck and uh we had a little bit of a valky war and i ended up coming out on top in that um <laughs> so that's that's one sort of avenue uh but that did not use the bolus's citadel i'm still kind of working on bolus's citadel stuff though uh i'm waiting to see mm. what these new suspend spells are um, I'm excited for this Profane Tutor in that list, and uh, I'm definitely going to be circling back to that one. Um, so that's that's kind of where my head's at right now. 
nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, I love Bullets of Citadel. It is something I keep wanting to come back to and never have the stones to. You know, it's just I've had I've been burned by a lot, uh, but I've always had great times with it a lot. And I yeah. think you know I would love to cheat it in more and get it just find a way to make it happen. It is I, busted as hell, that's for sure. After the Citadel episode, I kind of thought it was a trap, especially with all of the prowess. Um, but as I have played with it more, even after saying it was a trap and playing it in some of these shape and new lists, I do actually think that there is a way to build this where you don't just get completely wrecked. Um, I'm not 100% sure what that is yet, but uh, I, I was toying with some cards like Witherbro- Witherbloom Command, which is the um, Golgari Command from Strixhaven. It is not a great spell, but the fact that it both provides interaction and life gain and, uh, makes it playable in these Citadel lists. So one of the big problems that Citadel has is that if you hit something like an interaction spell, um, you know, a, a, an abrupt decay or an assassin's trophy, and there aren't really a good target for it on the other side of the battlefield, you've just spent life to cast something and get almost no value off of it. And so I was looking for cards that have that modality and can provide, um, hopefully, life gain. That was what I was ultimately looking for. So it ends up turning into, you know, basically the equivalent of a mana morphos in the citadel deck yeah that's that's spice i'm uh, i like that it's a interesting solution yeah so i'm sure that i will be talking more about that sometime in the future once that deck actually comes together oh yeah and i want to just make quick note for our listeners uh modern horizons comes out on magic online uh i believe the third june third uh, which is next Thursday, not this Thursday, but next. Uh, we our next episode will not will be after that. Maybe we'll, we might have a bonus episode a little bit for that. Uh, but something I want to remind everyone is like, if you think that nonsense hours are when a new set is released, like I, you can only imagine the nonsense hours of Modern Horizons two. Like if you ever wanted to try and trophy with something and make it work, like the jankiest thing possible. This is the time to do it because everyone will be trying very speculative and very untuned lists. So, like, if you, you know, if you want a 5 with your jank, like, maybe you'll run into five other players that are also playing jank and you might just get there with that 5-0. So, definitely food for thought. And if you want to be an asshole, you can just soul crush everyone and, like, play blue-red prowess <laughs> while people are tuning their terrible decks. But me, I will definitely be, you know, fighting the good fight, probably... Uh, you know, wheels, wheels, wheels. Let's get this diamond lion. Let's. Oh let's, yeah. Oh no no. Let's I, get I it. Was thinking, so let's bring it's back got some good man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They have genius. Yeah, I love it's that time, card. It's time to go get a five-zero so with Sion creation. It's been too long. Um, so yeah, good. no, that's that's genius. That definitely, I'll be trying something like yeah, that. Yeah, I just want to touch on this uh, this this um, shape a new deck that. Um, you mad who is a uh, challenge competitor has been playing some grixis through the breach recently and uh hangs out in my uh chat on twitch plenty of the time uh sent me a bant shape a new deck that goes for blightsteel colossus uh i he, he was like hey go play this in a league and i was like all right i'm in so uh just as a overall 
preview of it, it is using Teferi Time Raveler to protect itself. If you can use good cards to protect your bad cards, you should do so. Don't feel ashamed for playing Veil of Summer in your janky combo deck. Um, uh, feel slightly ashamed, but do it anyway. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, you, but but feel ashamed because you're playing a janky combo deck. But you know, it's like the good shame. It's like harder daddy shame. <laughs> um, but uh, there's four Thraven Inspectors, four Gilded Geese, and two um, Blade Splicers, and these are the sources of your artifacts. That's it. Um, there are mana leaks. There are um, uh, ephemerates and Ice Fang Codals and um, Skyclave Apparitions and Wall of Omens. So it's a very defensive little Bant, um, like, flicker deck, which it, 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 I when I looked at this list, I was like, this looks like the sweetest 05 ever. Um, and it was, a, it was a good clean 3-2, uh, I believe, and uh, it, it felt pretty good all the way through. We even got some kills with Blightsteel Colossus. And uh, there was a transformational sideboard plan for when you run into Blue-Red Prowess uh, with four Oriok Champion and four Path to Exile coming in. Uh, and it actually worked pretty well. Uh, I, I beat Blue-Red Prowess once, and then the second time I, uh, I, I did lose to it. But uh, anyway, it, it, there is definitely a lot of sweet room to do stuff with, uh, with these kind of cards. Absolutely. So, Zach... Uh, I lost my watch. Do you know what time it is? Uh, let me check. It's the time for bumps and dumps! Oh, man. Yeah, it, it has been, uh, it's been a wild ride. Let me, let me hop on. So, last episode, I started off by being just so impressed and excited and literally close to jumping or weeping for joy at the introduction of the upcoming Old Border Fetchlands. And then, for most of yesterday, I was misinformed and disinformed by the complete mess that is Twitter communication and the internet in general right now, Oof. that there would not be non-foil Old Border Fetchlands because... The way they are releasing all their new products for Project Quote Unquote Booster Fun um, means that they've got set boosters, they've got draft boosters, they've got collector boosters and premium boosters and special shareholder boosters, I don't know. And different cards can come in different packs, but not all of them can come in all the packs. And so while we are getting old border frame uh, versions of... Force of Negation, and Giver of Runes, and some other cards that they've uh, uh, told us are on the way. Those cards will only be available in foil. But... Nonsense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But, at least, it will be the case that the Old Border Fetchlands will be available in non-foil, as will many of the Ooh. other cards that are being printed into non-foil. Um... So, Sanctum Prelate, you will not be able to get a non-foil. That sucks um, for those of us who like to play our paper cards in tournaments. Um, I'm not complaining about Watsi's print quality at the moment. Um, this has been a problem for all of Magic history. Um, for those who actually put hands on cards, uh, I am a, I'm a Magic judge. And it is very, very easy during a deck check to be able to tell the foils apart from other cards in a deck. Uh, most of the time now is that actually going to stand out as a marked card no but i 
sort of have a general rule. I just don't buy foils, period. If, I, if it's a card I want to play with in any tournament ever, and I basically don't buy cards that I'm not going to play in tournaments with, then I don't buy foils because I just don't want to get into that whole mess. Uh, even people playing an entirely foil deck, sometimes they curl different amounts. Sometimes they're different thicknesses and it makes them stand out. So big dumps to the failure of communication and the unbelievable complicated mess that is uh, all the different ways to collect the current sets of Magic the Gathering. I'm super excited there's beautiful frames for everyone, but my goodness, is it hard to understand <laughs> what's going on uh, with all that. And uh, and then uh, bumps to um, being sure of yourself and well-centered and having uh, uh, expectations that are tailored uh, towards the results you hope to achieve. Uh, I submitted a very, very long question to the uh, hosts of Everyday Eternal about what philosophy and attitude and sort of outlook on uh, competitive magic mean to them and, and just getting in deep on that kind of conversation. They really had a nice, long, thoughtful response um, in different ways to think about it. But this is one of those lifelong, you know, lifelong tasks for each of us is to keep making sure that your expectations uh, match your effort on something. It's not a problem to do poorly at something if you didn't put in that much effort or if you didn't have that much expectation riding on it. And don't have high expectations when you go into something without, you know, preparing like the people who are doing this like this is the last tournament they're ever going to play. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's the key to happiness and that's often the key to success. Well said. I dig it. I dig it. What do you got, Doctor Combo? Um, let's see. Uh, definitely bumps to biking. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been biking I a got lot. My bike out this uh, week. Just been pretty. Yeah, just been beautiful weather. Uh, you know, just like being able to bike to work, just biking around, just feels very nice. I'm gonna give a, also another bumps to science. I performed an experiment a long time ago. Uh, waiting and that's going to answer a lot of questions that i still have my research project and i finally it's been in the sequencing queue for a while and finally got sequenced last week and so i just got the data back last week actually um some slight error so i have to you know like bother them a little bit more and i'm getting the the final data or the should be final data back quote unquote tomorrow and this is pretty exciting because a this will be you know like did my experiment work like i'm these were my hands that did this that like put all the different things in different containers like arm where my hands good uh, always carry uh you know sometimes shit just hits the fan of the sciences and your experiment decides not to work and you know that's okay uh but we'll see if that happens uh but more so you know just this will answer some big questions that i have like and ideally this will be the last big experiment i need to do and i should be able to find information from this that i need to just complete May round out the circle in my project and then start applying for jobs in industry and be done with academia Whoa. Uh, and and make some real money because you know academia postdoc does not pay well sorry not sorry not sorry it does not cash pay well. money mother yeah i mean it pays decently well but like not for the amount of effort not for the specialty that you have you know like you don't why would you spend five years getting a degree where if you're lucky you're getting 30k for your stipend us dollars and then, you know, like, okay, you spent five years making 30K. Okay, here's like, here's 49K, you know, have fun. It's just, it's insane. It's just like, what? Yeah, it's, it's insane. But so, you know, this is, this is very, very exciting. And 
you know, I will get to kind of test my, see my own chops as a scientist. And also, you know, if there's, I just need to be able to answer the questions I need to answer. And then I can start applying for jobs and doing inter interviews and all those fun stuff. Uh, so the yeah, science goes slow, but big bumps for it to, you know, do these experiments in January, finally get the results in May. Uh, yeah, welcome to sciences. Awesome. I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm going to, um, bumps to the first blueberries coming off my blueberry plant this nice. morning. Nice. Yep. Uh, little, little, little sour. I, I may have, uh, plucked just a bit too soon, but, uh, they're still all right. Um, I also just ordered a bunch of seeds. Uh, I found out that there is a variety of strawberry that is a white strawberry. These are... Is it Alpine? Are they Alpine? Uh, there's a bunch of different names. Do you mean, it, does it grow in like... I mean, are, are they going to be like an inch big or are they going to be like a big strawberry? Uh, it looked like a big strawberry, but I'm not 100% sure. You know, you can never really tell with the photos unless... You yeah. Know, yeah. Um, but they supposedly taste like pineapple. Uh, and they do really well grown and um, they're cross-pollinated by regular red strawberries. So I'm going to plant some of those uh, next to the yeah. red strawberries and see what happens. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty hyped for that. Uh, and then nice. just... One final bump, it seems like um, the LGS may finally open up here sometime in mid to late June, and I'm excited. I mean, it's been open for sales. I stopped by the other day, and I got to chat with uh, one of the employees that I haven't talked to in a long time, so that was nice, and um, it'll be nice to hopefully play with some paper cards again. Hell yeah. All right, so a quick, quick question for everybody then. Uh, in your first paper, in the first paper modern tournament that you play in, what deck are you going to play? Where's a? It's it's at this at this point it's got to be Velomaka's turns. Uh, I mm. still closest to me, right here. There is the deck that has four Uros and four Astrolabes sleeved up, mm. and <laughs> I. You know, it's just one of those things. So, Not yeah, fair. that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a little tough to uh, have to unsleeve that and um, get yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I think it's time for and a new love. Got to play with those in paper. Yeah. They got we banned. Yep. We got them banned before yep. we could play in paper. I, I played them a little bit, hilarious. a little bit. I play. I think I played my Uros in yeah, like like a month and a half of stuff. I played five color Niv Mizzet in a bunch of modern events. So, oh, yep, yep. You know. How about you, Doctor Combo? I um, it's got to be Lazav Breach. You know, I I need to. Mm. I haven't quite finished that up yet. I'm waiting. I think I made the very difficult decision of what sweet fetch lands to get. Uh, uh you know, I just got to go for those extended border ones. Uh, the from the Modern Horizon, they just look so nice. They 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 don't match, which is unfortunate because you know like that's only enemies and like I play polluted deltas etc. and bloodstained yeah. Myers. Uh but I might just pick up the, uh, the, the special ones that came uh, with Zendikar oh the expeditions. Oh, the expeditions. I'll probably just pick up the expedition of those, then sell those off when the alt the alt art ex extended for the allied fetches comes. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, in a couple of years. But yeah, the, yeah yeah. I mean I, I just need to pick up the. Uh, I just need to pick up the expeditions, but that that'll definitely be the first one I play. You know, like it's, 
I, I want to, you know, like loops are so much better in paper uh, than yep. Magic Online when you yep. don't have to click a billion times. Yeah, I'm a dirty degen hoarder, and um, I just got my Savor the Moments and my Time Warps in the mail the other day uh, in my Velomachus. So I have that deck. I actually have Green Black Yogmoth in my hand right now, but I know that when I sit down at that table and I have that like split second to decide which deck I'm going to pull out of my backpack, it's going to be worse. I just, I, yeah. Hey, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, but I hope everybody has a great spoiler season. And um, maybe we'll come back with a bonus episode when we are so hyped on all of the cards that get spoiled over the next week. They, it starts tomorrow, right? Like, we're going to just. We're going to get dumped on. Oh, it's going to be so yeah. exciting. I'm not going to get any work um, done this week. Uh, no. Go by work. See you later. <laughs> was nice knowing you. Yeah. Yeah. Product productivity. You know, maybe we'll have be more productive next week. We hope. Knock on wood. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good one, everybody. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thanks for listening to episode 19 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com/serumvisionsmtg. Email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com or join us on Discord at the link in the episode description of your podcast player or at serumvisions.podbean.com. Glissa, they'll eat you up, I'll eat her, This one's red, snow is stretched.